All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Say What I Mean. I am Amin Shah. And you know two of my favorite things in the world. I have a lot of things I like. One, being coffee. I'm an avid coffee drinker. You know, if you don't, if I don't get coffee, you don't want to talk to me in the morning. Like, don't say hello. Don't say nothing until I have coffee straight up. I'm not even joking. Big coffee person. I got my K-Cuts, my Keurix, all that good stuff. And, of course, I love hip-hop. So when I met homie right here, he had a podcast called Hip-Hop and Coffee. I was like, Word, I fucks with hip-hop. I fucks with coffee. So I'm like, yo, we probably got some of the same views. And, you know, my homegirl, Lindsay, she was on last week. You know, she made this connection. So introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are and about your podcast. All right. So, yeah, obviously it's hip hop and coffee. That's why I named it that. I'm like, who doesn't like the two? Uh, I started it in January um, and this would count as like the seventh episode. Um, so, yeah, hip hop and coffee. Um, I tell people to call me Justin or my actual DJ name that I started a few years back, Essential Vision. So either or is fine. Um so yeah, we're pretty much what we do is we talk hip hop and um, you know different artists. They if they from the city, if they got stuff going on or a business to promote or whatever, I have them on the show. Um, lately, it's pretty much centered on particular artists and they work like you know albums and um, documenting like certain important projects that's come out historically, kind of like which is why we and you connected. Uh, we really just was, you know, vibing, filling each other out. And then I told you, I was like, I'm doing a, I want to do a blueprint episode. And immediately, you you know, you find an attachment to that. And I'm like, hey, let's do it. Because there's going to be more albums I'm doing, episodes I'm doing. Uh, this one is the right time to do it. It's September 11th, the day we recording. So it's 19 years later. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what the show is about, just documenting. At this, now, the show has been revamped to really document important projects that's come come out um and then also i i, I forget didn't mention to you when i was talking to you earlier but i have something i gotta i want to announce after like once we get done doing the episode so that's a surprise thing but um yeah so that's pretty much what it is we doing me and you doing a blueprint episode uh 19 years later and I'm proud to do do to partner with you on an episode. You know, you got your your podcast, say what I mean, podcast, and um, you know, you've been doing your thing too. And you know, Lindsay brought us together too. You know, she did both our episodes and everything. Yeah. So she she, she did her uh her episode. She said, um, I guess I'm doing podcasts now. I said, Well, you 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 popping? You know what I mean? That's what it is. What it is. Lindsay is funny. You have to. You have to kind of drag her into it. But once she into it, she really get into it. Just got to give her that little push. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw your episode and everything. And then um, I, you did. Did you do an episode like um, a few days ago? I saw you went live a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went live a few days ago as well. Yeah, I'm getting consistent with y'all because my problem is I do a podcast or record it here. Mm. Then life getting in the way. Take it, nah, no more than that. I got to get back on it. You know, um, and it feels good, you know, talking to the people. Um, I find as I get older, I have less and less people 
to talk to about the stuff that I'm really into, like the passions. As you get older, you know, um, people my age group, a lot of them don't want to talk about hip hop, or at least like the hip hop I like anymore. Okay. You know, um, a lot of people don't want to talk about battle rap. A lot of people don't want to talk about lyricism. So I have to find outlets to express some of these viewpoints and discuss classics like the blueprint with people. You know, you can't, you can't have this conversation with everybody. What do Flex say? Not everybody could come up here. Right, right. Not, and exactly, not everybody can, not everybody is qualified to have these discussions. Like, um, do you really listen to music or do you just skim through it? You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's crazy because that's, that's why I wanted to, to base like each show from that, the, that Nas appreciation episode to this one to ones in the future is because there's a lot of people that don't listen to music like that. They're just casual listeners or they're young kids who, they didn't grow up in a certain time, so I'm pretty much, you know, pretty much bringing them back to that time period. That way, you can have a different appreciation um, for these these particular uh, projects. You know what I mean? Like, right. I find it amazing that we doing an episode 19 years later on an album that it only took Jay Z nine days to do, but there was yeah. so much happening around that album. There was so much to happen after that album because of that album, you know what I mean? Like that from you know it, it, he, the the recording of the album was only nine days, but a lot of the the, the classics is more than just what you listen to from stop start to finish, because um, I always say that to to be a classic, you you, you got to have a little bit more than having each record be flawless. It's got to mean something. And it's got to mean something to your life and everything like that. Like, you know, I always tell people that um, I always considered my favorite Nas album to be Godson, but that's because it got me to, you know, not drop out of high school. You know, I heard something in it or whatnot, whereas, so I have a, a special attachment to it. Uh, the blueprint, uh, we can, you know, which we're going to get into or whatnot, like, um, I don't think I was a, Jay, a, a huge Jay Z fan, I was a casual listener. And then this album, it made me like, okay, he, he's serious. You know, if, if you know, I didn't, um, uh, you, you have experiences of when he drops, you know, reasonable doubt, but it took the blueprint for me to be like, okay, he's, he's in, he's in rare air. He's one of them MCs that, um, you know, there's not going to be too many to come after. There hasn't been too many to come after him to follow what he's done. So. Yeah, and you know, it is dope because we were just talking about how it's funny. Albums is like to me a time marker because um, should have episode I meant to do it, but I forgot. I was going to show my CD collection because I still got because for this time period, I used to just buy CDs, um, and it's a timepiece. Like for the good albums, you know where you at when you first heard a classic. Yeah. And there's some some albums, I'm just like, ah, I don't know when I bought this or why I bought this. But, like, there are just certain moments, and we're going to get into that with the blueprint. Okay. Right. Yep. So do you want to set it off with, with the theme, or you want me to do it? All right. Well, I want to talk about – so, obviously, he, it's the follow-up to the Dynasty album. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't want to dive into that because I feel like, you know, with some of those J albums, they can be episodes within itself. But um, I like that album. Um, at that time, he was dropping every year, so you had gotten pretty used to it. Um, you know, Give It To Me was a big hit off that album, changed the game. Um, but it was more, you know, allegedly, I think it was just, it was really a compilation album that they put his name in front of. Um, it doesn't feel that way when I listen to it, but you can tell, like, you know, at that time, like, you know, his lyrics was just as sharp as anybody's. But I would say that, you know, Beanie Siegel's, that was his Beanie at his peak with the streets is talking is like crazy and everything. So I was a casual Jay-Z fan. He wasn't my favorite rapper. I was 12, 13. My favorite rappers was Bow Wow and Nelly. That's who I like <laughs> at that time. But I like Jay-Z. I thought Jay-Z was, was uh, you know, super dope. And then, um, um, but, you know, as far as covering the blueprint, to me now, looking back, I feel like it starts pretty much when he, you know, um, beginning of 2001, I believe he beats the case, the stabbing of one. Yep. So I think, and to, I don't know if you agree or not, but once that um, burden got taken off of his back, he pretty much uh, didn't look back at that point. Right, right. And I, I agree. I try to remember back specifically about the uncase. I don't know if it was like if he, if charges was dropped, because I feel like he still was on probation for the unsituation. Probation. Yeah, but he didn't have to risk jail time anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you you definitely um, right about that. And the dynasty, and the one thing that, I want to say about the dynasty. It had one of the best intros of all time, in my opinion. I love the dynasty uh, intro, you know, especially, you know, we wasn't that far removed from Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the Bulls just remind me of that thing, the championship dynasty, just all goes together, you know. Um, I love the intro. You know, I'm going to get it by any means, even have to use that thing that Malcolm had in the window. I was like, oh, like he has some bars on there. Um, and you're right. It was main, it was a compilation album, but I think the labels thought it would sell better if you put Jay-Z name on it. But I think this would make the blueprint so special as well, because the Dynasty had mixed reactions. Like it was a dope album, a lot of people liked it, but a lot of people thought it was just okay. And you gotta remember at the time in the nineties. Hip-hop critics was a lot harsher back then than they are now. You know, you still had the source with the five mic system. You had double XL in their um, system, the double XL, the XL, the L. Um, you, and just pure hip-hop has, this is still like boom back era. New East Coast hip-hop, you know, first, you know, the West early 90s would had it locked down, but during this time, East Coast New York hip hop um, really started taking back over, and you know how those hip hop heads are. So it was very critical time. If you had one bad song on an album back then, they wasn't giving you a five mic album, you know. And I remember the source had to go back. They did an issue back in the day where they had to go back and give five mics to a whole bunch of albums they gave four, four and a half mics to in the right. past because it was that critical of a time. 
So it's different in today's standards. I don't even know if artists is really trying to make classics anymore. Because um, it seems to be more single based because the whole way music and streaming is changed. You know, you still got artists like Kendrick. I feel like he tried to make classic albums. I still feel like Cole tried to make classic albums. But in general, I don't know today how many people was trying to make classics like they was in 2001. I, I agree, and that's a good point you bring up. Um, I didn't even think, you know, I forgot about that myself. Like, the magazines was everything. You know, even uh, we didn't even mention a Vibe magazine, too. Uh, but Double XL was, and, and the source, the source, the source was the Bible, and mm-hmm. um, you, they had the 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 album release, the album reviews before the album dropped, and a lot of people use that. If you were five mics, or if you were if you were four and a half, I would even say four. It was all it was like a guarantee to get the album or whatnot. Um, the source and everything at the time, Jay Z he had a weird position with publications because he would either get criticized heavy. um, He would be, he was pretty much like the poster child for what was wrong with hip hop at the time. Believe it or not. But other publications had him as the illest of all time and, you know, the successor to, uh, to Biggie and everything. Now there was a little bit of truth in both sides of that and everything. I, I do remember at that time he in magazines uh, like Vibe magazines. Uh, Vibe magazine we used to often say that Jay Z sounds bored when he raps. He had that stigma to to him and everything. Like he he do it so easy that he sounds bored and you know misogynistic and stuff like that. It makes me think like you know how he would be compared to today doing what he did back then. Um, right. You you kind of lived. Uh, I, I I couldn't wait to go to any store had a magazine, and you couldn't wait. Jay Z, if he was dropping a project at that time, he was guaranteed to get the cover, and he did often get the cover whenever he was about to drop. So he was a big deal, and we didn't know much about him outside the lyrics. You were you would, there was no YouTube back then. There was no uh, you know you, back then you. Um, at that time, 2001 Blueprint era, you had 106 in Park, and you had URL. Yeah. Um, other than that, that you had the interviews from the source, Double uh, XL, and you know there wasn't a day-to-day artist engagement with people like it is now. Right. It 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 was such a different scene back then, and for younger viewers that might be watching, I don't yeah. I can't stress how important these magazines was because they came out once a month and I was waiting for the new cover of Double XL or the new cover of The Source to come out and see uh, who's going to be on the cover this month. Uh, what album, what, what they reviewed. Um, or I used to love in Double XL, like, you know, to step your, step your rack game up, you know, where they give whack bars. Um, it was just such a different scene. And this is before the internet really exploded. It was, the internet was there. Yeah. But it still it didn't take over yet. I think back then with '01, you had what allhiphop.com and maybe so. As yeah, those are like the hip hop message boards back then. You know, I might have dabbled in it. You know, I might I might have been on there. Maybe maybe not. You know, that's a different story for a different day. But yeah, the message boards was there and. That was the scene, but only the hardcore, hardcore hip hop fans was even on 
all hiphop.com or SOHH. Yeah, that's why I said I was casual because I didn't get into all hip hop and SOHH until like 2000, like a few years. I would say around Black Album era, I got into it. Um, but as far as Jay-Z at that point, I, I only knew what was on the radio. Um, and I was, and not, it's no bias to Jay-Z. Like, I was like that as far as hip hop as a whole. Like when, um, like we'll get into like TakeOver and, you know, the, you know, Diss and Nas. I didn't know why they was beefing. I was, my response as a 13 year old was, like I knew who Nas was, but I knew more Jay-Z songs because I hadn't re started to, I didn't get into Nas until Stillmatic, until months later. So this is an okay. interesting time for me because I'm actually, I'm getting introduced to these people and I'm realizing how important they are in real time yeah. in 2001. So I'm like, oh, he, what's his issue with? What's his issue with Nas or whatnot? And then people older than me are saying, but well, Jay-Z did this, Nas did that. And I was like, damn, it's too much. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm like, well, okay. And then, um, and then at the time it was, you know, Jay-Z and Nas's career, his career is finished and everything. And I was like, wow, okay. And then uh, months later I hear Ether and then I'm saying, I thought Jay-Z his career was finished. It was not finished. Mm -hmm. And then super ugly. But um, so, you know, at that time, and also you mentioned earlier DMX, I was in a DMX. I looked at him actually as bigger than Jay-Z at the time. He, he did, he was in the movies. Um, he wasn't uh, dropping as much as Jay-Z. Well, actually he was, sometimes he would drop twice a year. Yeah. So his record was just a little bit more harder, but I thought he was, I mean, I would say he was kind of bigger if not equal, a little, maybe a little bit. But. It was a, that was the debate back then, um, especially X hit, what, like, I believe, 9-8, right? Yep. 9-8, uh, when Dark and Hell, and Hell is Hot came. Mm -hmm. Then he dropped, like, less than a year later with Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. But Volume 2 dropped, and that's the album that blew Jay-Z up. Yes, um, he had Reasonable Doubt in Volume 1, and then the streets are watching too, um, before volume two. But volume two is an album that sold like five million records and got all the radio play. Um, so that was the argument: who was who was bigger? And then underneath them, people forget like there was an argument of who was the best lyricist, who was actually the best rapper. Pun was right beneath them. Yeah, because you know, big, big pun, um, capital punishment was around that time too. And people was like, yo, this dude pun is ill as well. You know, so there's there was a there was a lot going on back then. Um and I just I think we did a pretty good job of painting the scene of how it was, but hip hop was starting to change a little bit too though. Yeah. In two thousand one. Cause so far we mentioned in the late nineties how it really was. Now two thousand one the game started to change a little bit um, for a few reasons. So in 98, we mentioned DMS, we mentioned Jay-Z. I should also mention your boy, Big Willie. Will Smith sold a lot of records too in uh, 98 too, Big Willie style. Um, but besides that, <laughs> you know, besides Will Smith, it was really like that hardcore hip hop that I was really selling. But then you had Nelly coming on the scene. Country Grammar, 
you had Ja Rule start to get bigger and bigger. And, you know, with Mel putting, putting melodies in his raps, you know, one of the, I won't say one of the first rappers to do that because Bone Thugs was doing that way before um, Ja Rule. And, you know, you can even go to some of the Chicago rappers that kind of did it a little bit differently too, like Do or Die and stuff like that. But I don't think every, anybody ever did it as heavily as Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Jabu literally had like a duet with Mariah Carey. Now Bone, <laughs> Bone Thugs, they did the melodies, but it was different. It was still like hardcore. Jabu was just it was just a different feel. It was more popish because Bone Thugs did it, but it was still hardcore. You know what I'm saying? I think that was the difference. So the landscape of hip hop was starting to change a little bit, you know, um, in that direction. Because um, the South was starting to get more popular, you know, before it was just outcast, you know, then you had No Limit kind of blow up. The cash money was starting to do what they do, you know, so the landscape was definitely changing. But it didn't feel that, I mean, it was changing, but at the time, um, I didn't, it's like in hindsight, 2020, it was changing drastically, but it didn't feel that way because New York was still at the forefront. Right. So, but under, like you said, underneath it, you know, um, you know, we forget, um, uh, you know, at the time, Ludacris, he 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 comes out, uh, what two thousand, uh, and then Eminem. Eminem was a monster, and still to this day. Um, and then at the time, like you know, you still had your people on the West Coast, but primarily, you know, two thousand and one. Um, I would argue that I was more of a fan of Ja Rule just by radio listen. Ja Rule had the hits at that time. Um, and the, I could see that. In the summer of 2001, if we're going to go into, you know, the era where, where this is happening, he has um, I'm Real with Jennifer Lopez. That's like, that. when I think of summer of 2001, that's actually the song that I think of uh, the most. I, I don't, I, I still like that Ja Rule. The problem was, I think with, he didn't, he kept doing the same thing subsequently afterwards. If you would have just, you know. I hated that song so much. But like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. Like yeah. in 2001, I was 17. Okay. I was start like, um, when the Blueprint came out, I was starting my senior year uh, okay. when the Blueprint came out. Um, so I was a little bit, older than you and I was like man get that soft mess out of here uh, like and I actually had Ja Rule 336 album his first album okay. I bought that and no 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 that wasn't his first album Vinny Vici was his first album I had that and I had 336 but then he started losing me with that album I was like this dude I, I, what's up with the singing it was a mixture of him singing and biting DMX style Mm-hmm. And Pac style at the same time. Somehow he bit X and Pac at the same time and started singing with it. I was like, what is going on? I was like, I can't rock this. But you're right. Um, if you was, you say you was 13, I can um, definitely see why you would like Ja Rule better than Jay-Z at the time because pe- this might shock some people, but Ja Rule at this particular time was actually selling more records than Jay-Z. Jay-Z and DMX. Um... We're both, um, 
they they Def Jam used to put them three out at the same time, so they were pretty much in direct competition, even though they was under that. Supposed to be a group too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so at that time, if it, it, it feels like '98, you know, DMX kind of was like the one that would have the most momentum, and then by '99, 2000, it was Jay Z. If we're talking sales, and then by the time late 2000, 2001 is, is pretty much Ja Rule. And then you see the downslope of DMX. And then you see um, uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z pretty much always has been consistent. Always. Um, now at the time, and Jay-Z's a hip hop historian too, um, he, he's noticing all of this. He notices that Ja Rule is outselling him, but he also noticed that Ja Rule has a pattern um he always looked at dmx as like serious competition but dmx now we know that dmx has serious personal problems at the time the public wasn't aware of all that you know what i mean but you know dmx was you know always you know always dope um and you know so to get into um i feel like to i don't know if it starts i did some research so the rollout for the blueprint starts at the BET, the first ever BET awards. He, he uh, is on. Yeah, I think I think that that's where it started. Um, mm-hmm. And then they play start playing on the radio. I remember um, watching that live. You remember that? I watched that BET. Yes, he brought Snoop Dogg and a bunch of other artists on the stage too. I remember watching that at the time. That's when the BET yeah. awards was popping, and yeah. um, for some reason, I always. When I think back to that war show, I think of um, Eve bringing Shaq that Iverson jersey. Um, uh, that's when the Lakers and the 76ers was going at it. That was the same show. So that was a that, that it, it feels like that was like ages ago, man. But um, just saying Eve hip hop alone, mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds weird now. No, it do. So yeah, Izzo and they played it on uh, Izzo on the radio heavy, and the first thing I'm thinking is, wow, he back this quick because it was like less than a year from the dynasty. Um, and then the dynasty was right after volume uh, three. Volume three, it was like less than volume three, right after volume two. <laughs> he was back yeah. to back, um, but yep. you notice like this time around, like I didn't really at the time know who was doing production or whatnot, but you, I mean, I, you can't deny the Mike the Jackson Five sample. Uh, it immediately hits, um, and then the lyrics and everything, and it's like, okay, it sounded different. Keep in mind, at the time, the structure was you have a radio song, and you put an R&B artist on the hook. Yeah, right. Pretty much what you, you know, and, and, and Jay-Z was a part of, he followed the hip-hop formula for, you know, whenever he would come out with albums, depending on what direction he was going in. But this one was a little different because it was just him, and he was going through like this, doing the soul sample and not too many people was doing this and definitely wasn't, they weren't making it their first single. Right, right. That's, that was Kanye first hit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he had a song on the radio before that because Kanye produced um, Beanie Seagull's The Truth song. Um, but The Truth wasn't a hit song. It was, it got video plays. Sometimes they played it on the radio. Um, oh, and that's one other thing I want to circle back to real quick um, to stress to people how important the radio was at that time, too. Like, because now nobody really listens to the radio like that anymore. Nobody I know, you know. Um, we all have our own playlist. We have these streaming services. 
But back then, oh, radio was ultra important. You know, um, some people were still actually recording with tapes. Some people still have walkmans, like with the tape cassette. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, not everybody has CDs yet. You know, um, most people was transferring into that, at least having CDs by 01. But even in like, you know, the late 90s, people still had walkmans, cassettes. Um, I remember waiting, listening to the radio, you know, waiting for a, a song that I really wanted to hear so I can actually tape it and record it, you know. Um, that's <laughs> and that's how it was a hit. Yeah. And you know how frustrating that was because, you know, like, when, our, when the radio won't play, I got to catch it the perfect time, you know, hopefully I don't, don't catch it late. And, yeah, you know, um, the radio was very, very important. Even back then, you know, being from Buffalo, you know, we had our DJs there. You know, everybody know about Hot 97, you know, because that seemed to be the biggest one with Flex, you know, K Slay, Clue, and all them there. But, you know, here, I remember um, Real, Real Buffalo has my remember this um, when it was Power 94, not even BOK, it was Power 94. Um, DJ Hooker in the in the break of dawn. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah back, back then, yo, know, they used to hold it down, man. I used to, I used to love listening. I used to love. It. They came on at six o'clock. Six to ten. Remember. They did six to ten, and then the quiet storm was at ten o'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. That brings back memories, man, right there. And before it was BOK, it was Power ninety four. Then turned into um, BOK, but you know. It, it it just crazy. That's how important it, it was. Like their opinions, what they played meant something. They would have battles of the beats. I remember that. You know where they picked two hot songs, a battle of the beats, and they, I remember I remember my favorite battle of beats was when um they played Nas "Hate Me Now" versus Mob Deep "Quiet Storm." Okay, uh, so obviously that was ninety nine. Um, now I don't. Remember battle? Um, I didn't start looking listening to the Battle of the Beast till two thousand. But who won that? Who won Quiet Storm and Hate Me Now? I don't remember. I wish I did. I wish I remember who won that right there. But because uh, I, I remember that what, what, th that that would be the first time you would hear those songs. That would be the premiere. Right. Right. You know what I mean. Yeah, it was it was dope, and I know, like now, it just it sounds crazy because I almost forget about. So you start thinking about this, mm -hmm. you forget about this, you know, um, because the technology grew so rapidly out yeah. of nowhere. You know, it went from the, it went from that to like those sites like Napster, and all those um, sites where you could like download the song. Then now the streaming service, like it, it was a whole different scene back then. The radio was important. Magazines was important, so I just wanted to touch on that again, real quick. Yeah, I just wanted to start on the sidebar. You you knew that the record was um, hot when um, you waited all day to, for it to play, and then yeah. you, you recorded it, and then they they interrupted the song, and you like, damn, I got to re-record it again. So then you wait like another hour and a half. <laughs> exactly. And if it was a real hot song, they will they will replay it in the mm -hmm. second they build it up. Cause everybody would call in, request it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's when. That's when it was live, man. It was live back then, and yeah. they even had 
you even had some people call in and rhyme on the radio, you know. Oh yeah. That's back in the day. Yeah. So the, anyway. it is old. Um I do remember them playing it a lot. I don't remember I don't think they I think they just just added it to the rotation at that point. They uh, did. Izzo was Izzo got a lot of play on 106 and Park too, you know. Yeah, um, the video. Yeah. Yeah, because Jay Z got a lot of love for 106. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, and that that was a thing too. You had Free and AJ, like they was the best. I think everybody' favorite host was the original host, Free and AJ. Um, yeah, so Izzo got Izzo got played there because before the Blueprint came out. I think Izzo was the only single, if I remember. Because I think Girls was the next single, but that came out afterwards. Or did or did Jigga That Nigga come out? All right, so I do remember this. Um, the radio would um, uh, play Izzo a lot. And then I, I do remember, I think the video for Girls, Girls, Girls dropped the day the album came out. Yeah, right. But prior to the album coming, because... By the time uh, September 11th happened, uh, they had played Izzo for about the whole summer, from the right. June, late June to to September. So I think like late August they started playing uh, Jigga that nigga. And I remember I didn't um, I, I I didn't think anything of the song. It wasn't a bad song. It was just it was alright. I always hated that song. Huh? I always hated that song. It was. Like, it's, it sounds like it's 2001, um, and I, I'm, I'm not too. I don't think a lot of Trackmasters records age well from back then. Um, I like some. I think some of the Trackmasters songs they did with Nas on "It Was Written" is okay, but like yeah, in general, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't a think lot it, the Trackmasters did "It Was Written," which that'll probably be an episode one day, and then also they did "Mr. Smith," which. I think that was peak track masters, but when they get to in the Big Willie style and the firm, yeah, and then they start doing like certain records after that, and and and, and no, but but uh, girls, 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 I remember like I love that video. I was rewatching it uh, recently, and I'm like, you couldn't get away with a video like that. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. like not even close. Like once we get into the track listing, I want to get more details in that because. I like the song, but in today's culture, mm. I don't know. Although today they say worse stuff, though. But I think it's, I think the way Jay Z presented, because yeah. it's so clear and it's not a turn up record, mm-hmm. it probably would have get more scrutiny than it did back then. Yeah, but you know, I don't. Um, I think that um, it I, it was good at the time. Like women loved girls, girls, girls back then. You can't really judge. Uh, what would be like that time period to today? It's two different time periods, and when you're from both like today and yet the back then, it's like you can see the difference. But like kids of today and everything, and you know, cancel culture and everything like that, like it's hard to really judge an era before you. Um, you have to understand the whole, the whole culture was different back then, and. Just, I'm not gonna go too off track, but just sidebars because, um, again, yeah. during that time period, I said I was a senior in high school. We used to go to these high school parties and um, they, these little um, these places that had like high school club. I don't know, it wasn't really high school 
clubs, but every once in a while they would throw parties for um, high school students, and they was wild. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was wild, wild. They, I remember they wouldn't even let us bring pins in because this is before the days everybody had cell phones. People we yeah, were still, yeah, yeah. we were still writing. We still had pen and paper. If you was lucky, I had a cricket, you know, where you could um, put your put the number in, you know, like a little, yeah. <laughs> you know, back then. So, like it it was um, dangerous. Like you couldn't even bring pens in because people get stabbed with pens. It was wild. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'm bringing that up is mission culture. You know, the culture back then was when you know a girl was dancing, you just walk up behind them. You didn't ask, and the uh, the understanding was. The girl would look behind them. If they were spilling you, they would keep dancing. If it wasn't, they would just slide away. And yeah. then you kept, you kept moving. You kept it pushing. Yeah. Today, I don't know. I haven't been in a club forever. I don't think you could. I think the, the times have changed. I don't know if, you can, <laughs> if this, you're really doing that now. But that was the culture. And the girls understood that, too. Everybody understood that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the protocol. You know, and it's just funny how times change as uh, you get older. Man, if I was your age at that time, I would have had the pen right on my uh, my <laughs> ear, man. <laughs> yeah, they would like to bring the pen in. They would actually collect the pen. Uh, I remember some of my some of my cats here in Buffalo. If y'all remember the landmark, that was that was the joint. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't even let you bring pens in, man, because it was wild. I remember. Um, Right before, because after high school, I went to the Air Force, and we're going to get into that, too, you know, just because I went to the Air Force. I remember the last party I went to, like, this hotel party, and, like, it was like a mini riot in downtown Buffalo. It was, like, it was mad people. The party was lit, too, before the cops came and shut it down. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was just a different different time, man, just different different era, man. Okay. (laughs) But, yeah. Also. So, yeah, different time, 2000. Yeah, 19 years. Yeah. Also, uh, 2001, I want you to speak on this, too. Can you tell the people how important Summer Jam was during this time? I know Summer Jam still happens, but I don't know if it still got the, got the same impact it had back then. Can you speak to that? I mean, Summer Jam, at that, I mean, New York, hip-hop, only had Hot 97 back then. They didn't have Power 105. I think I think at that time that station was like just like contemporary R&B. So hip hop yeah. was Hot 97. So you knew, even though we was in Buffalo and everything, like we knew who Angie Martinez and Funkmaster Flex. We knew Absolutely. who they were, and every I was even a fan of Stretch and Bobito. Like they put all those people on, they who became at this point superstars. Uh, right. So. Uh, summer Jam at that point, um, and you know, oh, you know, up until this summer, where with COVID and everything, like the last you know eight years or so, it's been festival after festival, hip hop festivals. Well, back then there was not any, barely any hip hop festivals at all. That was the only thing. You know, you have to think at that time. Jay yeah, that was before Rock the Bells, huh? Yeah, I think that was before Rock the Bells. Yeah, because Rock the Bells was like mid two thousand, mid to late two thousands. So Summer Jam was, you know, pretty much from the mid nineties on. And you know, hip hop artists didn't even have tours back then. They took a risk doing Jay and them took a risk doing Hard Knock Life to do the City to City tour. So mm-hmm. hip hop was moving. You know, we got we got to think 
this is a young culture. Hip hop hasn't been around that long, even in today's standards. So right. um, there was not a lot of um, show. There was, it's, we were starting to do concerts um, and tours and stuff like the Cash Money Rough Riders tour. But mm -hmm. the staple was uh, Hot 97 Summer Jam. And you knew from reading the Source magazine that that was the biggest thing ever. And then who was on that lineup? And who was the headliner? And the headliner meant you ran hip hop that year, or you was about to run hip hop the next year. It was one or the other. Most of the time, if you had a good run and everything, you you pretty much uh, was the headliner. And Jay Z headlined multiple years. That wasn't uh, 2001. Wasn't the first year he headlined, um, but um, he certainly headlined that year. I think the year prior. I don't know who headlined in 2000. I know Wu-Tang headline one time. Um, and then also, too, something crazy would always happen. There would always be a fight and everything, or there would be a diss. Summer Jam 2001 was not the first time Jay-Z popped out with a diss. He, he notoriously dissed 50. Um, yeah, that, yeah that, did, that went under radar because the public did not know 50. But Jay-Z knew who 50 was, and, you know, 50 allegedly tells the story, like, now um, he's, he tells him before he goes on stage, you know, I'm about to get at you. Right. And then that's when he says, I'm about a dollar, what the fuck is 50 cents? And, yeah. um, but when he disses Mob Deep and then ends the verse off with Axe Nas, he don't want it with Hove, they clearly knew uh, Mob Deep and Nas was. Right, and to be even more specific, too, with the Mob Deep thing, he had the picture of um, Prodigy when he was young in the, you know, like the Michael Jackson outfit. And they put it on the Summer Jam screen, you know. And people made a big deal about that. To me, I never cared about that. I was like, Prodigy was like he was about 11 <laughs> in that picture. So I never really got why that was a big deal. I get it because... P always kicked the the most grittiest hardcore lyrics, but I'm like a kid picture. Yeah, let that be. He was soft because he was in a, like a Michael Jackson outfit when he was 11. Yeah, yeah, it really didn't. To me, that didn't hit. But for a lot of people, it did. For a lot of people, that changed the image of Prodigy. Like, like uh, because he was in that outfit, he wasn't about what he was saying. He was about him, you know. So, R.I.P. to P too. You know, I mean, probably. how old was he on that picture? I don't know. He wasn't old, though. Like, yeah, he so was a kid. <laughs> he was still and, like a kid. And, you know, the thing is, I don't really think in hindsight, I don't think a lot of people really um, felt a way about Prodigy. I think it was like something to laugh at briefly, but people moved on quick. But most of the hardest dudes, uh, you know, wore uh, and dressed like Michael Jackson in the 80s. Right, right. Um, but also too, you can, I don't think people really looked at it a certain, cause I don't think at that, I don't, I don't think by 2001, they looked at Mob Deep on the same level as Jay-Z. I don't know if it was because they were in a group, it was a group or, you know, just Jay-Z's consistency. But I mean, Mob Deep had three classics at that point. Yeah. They just, they never had the commercial success that yeah. Jay did. Um, you know, yeah, they definitely did. Yeah, they had the infamous 
Um, they had Hell on Hell on Earth. They had uh, Murder Music. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, Prodigy was more so agitated by the disc, but you know, at the time they were they they had the um, Burn out. Yeah, I think Burn came out after Takeover though. It did. Because I because um, but Mob Deep tried to come back on a number of different records, but it just wasn't working. None of them, none of them really hit. Did any damage to Jay Z after Takeover? Because although I thought um, the picture was weak, the Takeover was vicious, though, especially towards Mob Deep. I always thought Jay Z this and Takeover towards Prodigy was way worse than Nas. Like he really got a prodigy. So you mentioned the magazines and how important they were. Well, Prodigy was a disrespectful in magazines to Jay Z. Um, right. So Jay Z, huh? That's how the beef started off. Prodigy says something about Jay Z in the source. That's yeah. How so Jay Z had. I don't want to get into too much of the the the, the depths of the Nas beef. But Jay-Z um, was addressing something that kind of had been building since Reasonable Doubt. And he always looked at Nas as his main rival. So he always had to play Nas as like a chess move. But right. things that happened surround, like in that time period, like with Memphis Bleak and then Carmen, that he finally had to do the checkmate move. But Prodigy was kind of like darting at like poking, it's like poking the bear almost. So he yeah. had to kind of go at him a little bit more vicious because he was all he one he was easier to go against and then two um, I don't think Jay Z really um, Jay Z kind of in one song which is Takeover he goes into right. the offense with Nas but he goes into the defense with Prodigy so that's why the disses is a little different. Now, if you remember though, too. You remember that was a chess move because he didn't play the whole song. He only played the second, the first and second verse that he stopped when he said, yeah. ask Nas, they don't want to withhold. So he didn't go into the extended Nas this, and he didn't have the fourth verse in the verse at Prodigy either. Now, he wanted Nas fell into the trap, but then Jay fell into the trap too, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's a Not in so, Nas, after that, Nas came out with the um, Stillmatic Freestyle. Yeah. This Jay-Z, you know, and he, he threw little shots at, at Memphis Bleak and uh, Beans and Freeway, too. Yeah. You know, and you got to remember, too, um, in this painting, the whole scene going up to the Blueprint, um, a lot of people thought the Blueprint was going to be like a whole battle album. Because he had that, because he did that at uh, Summer Jam. And you remember, Beans and Kiss was beefing at the time, too. Heavy, heavy. Yeah. And a lot of people, you remember, Beans had that line in um, the Kiss Gang Goodbye This he had against um, Jada Kiss when he was like, I'll leave it up the hole to XL Tommy Buns. Yeah. You know, the X Carrier and Bill. So we was like, oh, is Jay going to get an X? Because, you know, X was on the song with J.D. Kiss where um, J.D. Kiss this beans. Like, I had to stop eating red meat because I ate too many Beanie Macs. And then, like, the way X started off the song, you remember, 
only gave you the crown so I could rip it off your fucking head. And everybody knew that had to be a shot at Jay-Z. You um, know? Um, yeah. So we was like, oh, is Jay going to get at, is he going to get an X? Then um, J.O. Felony was also dissing Jay-Z at the time. I know most people don't even, most people that listen to us probably don't even know who J.O. Felony is, right? Um, yeah, but he was dissing Jay-Z at the time. Um, they was so all we thought, too. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> all Def Jam. All, all on Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we knew that Nas and Jay had tension, and we knew about Prodigy. There was like seven different people dissing Jay-Z at the time, too. So that's why in TakeOver, he was like, for well, all your other niggas throwing shots at Jigga, y'all only get half a bar. Fuck y'all niggas. That's going in order because so many people was dissing them at the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. I'm going to talk about that line when we do the do, do track by track. Um, yeah. Because um, I, 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 I researched something about that line because I always wanted to know who that was about. And um, it was like, okay, Jada. It, it was Jadakiss. It was primarily Jadakiss. I, I, apparently, it was um, an issue between uh, the Fiesta R. Kelly record. There yeah. was little things happening that, you know. Well, it was, it was two of the Fiesta with R. Kelly, and also it was the Maya record, too. Ah, best remember, of the year. Yeah, originally it had Jadakiss, but the remix got more play. You know, I'm focused, man. Still stop to holler at me. Jay did the remix. That was like two songs in a row. Okay. And Jada was like, I right, this is this is becoming a pattern. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now what's strange is I didn't know even know that Jada Kiss was on the Fiesta remix or there was a version. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jada. Jada was on fire too back then too. On yeah. the streets. Well, that's a whole like it was like yeah, it was a lot going into that. I had to go go back to that line because I thought um, initially he was talking about fifty when he says like like. But at the time, I I forget in two thousand and one he had been wiped out. They had zero. He was gone. He was like to the, in their eyes, he was not coming back. They didn't know yeah. until the next the next summer would be a whole different story. But yeah, his album, because his power of the dollar never dropped. Got shelled. Yeah, yeah. So by the 2001, they they had felt. I felt like they looked at him like, well, we we've gotten rid of him as competition. But, but then he so, dropped this back. That that would that's when we had to do a, do a talk episode on the summer of 2002 because you can't do summer of 2002 and not talk about the underlying talk. 50 is almost like a, a Marvel villain coming from <laughs> in summer of 2002, but. Uh, back to 2001 or whatever, but um, yeah, so you had that going on, um, the, you know, the mob deep things, and also too, you know, I did like, I like Burn, and I liked um, the one was fire. Um, I, uh, what is it? Infamy? I didn't. I thought oh, yeah, yeah. Was I, <laughs> that, I know a lot of people didn't like that because they didn't expect that from Mob Deep, but that was a fire love song to me. Yeah, it was good. Mob Deep showed a different side uh, of them too. The beat was still fire. I like One Twelve. To me, that was a fire song. Yeah, and they played the record a lot on like on in, on BET and stuff at the time. So it's strange now. I think people like I like I talk about like revi- people revive history, 
at the time, it wasn't like they career. It wasn't like how Fifty did Ja Rule. It wasn't like they were people weren't listening to these people no more. Like it was, they was still getting play. They still get bad radio play and everything. Yeah, the the problem with Mob Deep was their next album just wasn't that good. It was more of that. Yeah, fine with the Jay Z thing because you know. Nas had a few different joints after Takeover came out that this and Jay Z that didn't hit until Ether, because you remember he had the General, the song the General, mm-hmm. um, really didn't catch like that. He had a few other joints that really didn't catch like that, but then he found he found Ether. What, and now, how did you feel about Stillmatic Freestyle? I thought it was dope. Okay, because you know they took the they took the um, Rock Kim joint. Yeah. They took the Rock Kim joint and he um he killed that to me. Yeah, he he killed it to me. But when you hear it, you don't keep no one. Now, now this is more of a question. So mm-hmm. when Still Mag Freestyle comes out, no one hears, no one's heard the third verse yet from Takeover. Nobody heard the third verse yet. Okay. Remember, that was a chess move. Jay Z third verse addressed some of the stuff. Um, now I said it was still Matic Freestyle because it's still Matic Freestyle. Um, you sample my voice, I rule you. Used to rap like the foolishness kids. Now I designed your blueprint. Who you kidding? Okay. You know, Jay Z says that, yeah, I sample your voice because you was using it wrong. You made the hot line, I made the hot song. That was a direct shot from the still Matic Freestyle. Okay. Um, so, so basically, he hadn't even recorded that verse. Right. Oh, okay. So basically, it was, uh, it was uh, um, I'll I'll see what you do with this line, and then I'll, I'll come with it. Wow, I, I didn't really look at it like that. Um, so that's it was that's, like the Drake move when he did charged up, and they came back with back to back. Okay. It was like the little jab. It was like the little jab. Okay, show your hand. Okay, I'm coming back with this. See, that's the thing, though. Like, like now uh, we we wait like three days for a disc record. I feel like we was waiting forever for these for these back and forth. We were waiting for the albums back then. You had till your album came out. Yeah, and sometimes it backfired because, like, you know, Mob Deep. Because you know, people think nobody ever dissed Tupac. Tupac got dissed yeah. when he was alive too. Mob Deep had dropped a gem on them, but they had to kind of remove it from the radio once Tupac died. Mm-hmm. They still kept it on Hell on Earth, but it was like, I right, that kind of messed messed them up too. And the thing is, back then, you waited till your album to come out to really drop the diss song. Okay, so um, um, when do you first hear, well, you know, let, let's, let's get into, we pretty much well, died into the backstory. I want right. to talk about, um, when did you first hear the um, album? And I feel like I should mention that I, I heard the album, I felt like I heard it way prior to September 11th. I heard it at least a month before September 11th. I feel that, I feel yeah, it had to be August. And um, my, my, my cousin at the time at the, at the, the album, like the CD, Mm-hmm. And you remember back when they would bootleg, the artist would change yeah. the, the record a lot and then, you know, to, to counter the... He left that track list the exact same. Nothing changed. 
The only thing that was different, my bootleg version that I had didn't have the two bonus tracks. It didn't have lyrical exercise or the girl remix. Okay. Okay. That was the only difference on mine. You didn't really miss nothing. <laughs> I like lyrical exercise though. Did you did you uh, when you heard the bootleg, did you actually go out and buy the actual album? I did. I still bought the actual album. Uh, I didn't buy it the same day. Yeah. Because I still, because you know, I already had it. But I bought it either that week or the following week. I still went out and bought it. Just because, like, I wanted to add it to my official collection. Yeah. I didn't want to have like it looked funny because I had all all the Jay Z albums, and just have the bootleg. <laughs> yeah. And just had the bootleg. Nah, I was like, I ain't let me get the official version. So I went out and got the official blue. Okay. Yeah. So I, I remember that getting leaked. And I remember, I think the Great Depression was leaked at the time, real heavy. So it was a couple of them. When they leaked, you got, you got all of them at the same time at that point. Like, you, you know what I mean? And um, so I, September 11th, like the day that it came out, I felt like I had kind of set with it pretty yeah. much. Um, and so, I feel like Fab come out that same day too. I feel like Fabulous might have been the same. And I want to talk about that too. Fab came out the same day. Mm-hmm. Now I think he was affected by the 9-11 <laughs> attacks because um he came out and um he was at that time Fab had a lot of momentum from the clue tapes. He was mm-hmm. they had pretty much named him the successor to Jay-Z coming out of Brooklyn. Um he had the same type of swag, but then you you know following Jay-Z or being a successor to him, that's hard. That's a hard thing to to do. And um, the fabulous, because at that that summer, he had Can't Deny It with Nate Dogg. He had mm-hmm. came, he had a, he, everybody who needed, who had like features, like if you was R&B or if you was hip hop, you got Fab on your, on as a feature. Um, right. So he was grinding out hard and he was dope. But by this, Jay Z at this point was going from um, contemporary, like hip hop artist, to veteran. I think he had, he was shifting into that to veteran status by this point, because um, not too many hip hop artists, uh, period, had gotten to six albums. You used to taper off at four. Four, you was kind of like done afterwards, unless you yeah, were rappers rapping into their thirties at the time either. Yeah, now you got hip hop artists blowing up in their mid 30s, like you know, Westside, um, Benny, them from from where we from, you know, they my age, yeah, <laughs> and know? they, they uh, just starting commercially, you know, and that's dope. Uh, and I'm glad we grew like that because what, what do age gotta do with your bars if you can spit? You can make good music. You can make good music. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad that that trend is starting to die down. You know, um, also it's good to see like the versus battle. How many people was into X versus Snoop? Yeah. You know, they, you know they like what well, Snoop was what like fifty? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm so I'm glad hip hop is expanding in that direction because yeah. what you know like as you get older, hopefully you start to get more mature bars and, you know, hopefully that audience grow with you like other genres. But that's a whole, that's a whole different story right there. Yeah. That even that can be an episode. So yeah. So Jay-Z at that, this point was in rare territory. Um, it wasn't, you know, like 
the Rakims and KRS ones or whatnot, they pretty much would weren't looked at the same after like their fourth or fifth album. They pretty much was right. like uh, Karis always have dropped albums, but it was pretty much you weren't seen in the mainstream. You weren't hot no more. Yeah, and and Jay Z, and I don't know if it's because you know Jay Z's great, but he also was dropping them albums back to back to back to back. He ain't right. take no breaks. And Jay Z got started, and this crazy a little bit later than most other hip hop artists at right. that time, at least commercially. He was always he was rapping since you know Hawaiian Sophie, mm-hmm. but. Um, his first official album didn't come out until 96 and he was like 25, 26. And in that day, and again, this is how time changed in that era, that was late. So in 2001, Jay-Z was like 32. And he was considered old because Nas was still in his late 20s. A lot of the other people were still in their late 20s and he was actually into his 30s, you know. Um, He was looked at as like even I remember back then being in high school, I was like, damn, Jay's kinda old. <laughs> you know, that's what I was that's you know, what I was what's crazy, I saw a recent interview and this was discussed and um for Jay Z to be Jay Z was thirty one or thirty two. I that's the age I am now. And you know, yeah. you dropping the blueprint and you listening to him and it felt like they were so much older and wiser, even if you was like you say, even Nas and Nas and them, and you know, big Biggie passed away at 24, 25. Yeah. They just seem so much wiser. Whereas now you got people like, you know, people that come out and they're like 30, 31. They just seem so kind of like not as mature. I feel like back then you, you became a man like real fast back then. You know, I don't know what, what the uh, reason for like that, that shift is now. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think now, I think now is because the trend in music is people. A lot of people don't want to hear bars. They don't want to hear lyrics. Yeah. Now I do feel like lyrics is coming back from a second. Like there's people from like I. I actually do want to hear what you're talking about now. Um, but from the for the mainstream, like the the mass, they not really trying to hear that. They trying to hear turn up. They trying to hear dance music. Um, they don't really care about the lyrics. It's all about the beat. You know, so, you know, if, for people that don't want to hear lyrics, you know, you're going to dumb it down. Mm. You know, it's easier. Okay, you don't, why, like, I know some artists probably like, why should I try to actually be good at rapping where I can just do a chant or I can just do something catchy and, you know, and then catch on? Uh, I mean, I don't know. You know, even the ones that wasn't the most lyrical back then, like your Nellies or whatnot, they they didn't. It wasn't too dumbed down. Like it was still, it was still different. Like they 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 just had a different type of a voice. Um, right now, it's you know, but that's but, another. Like, <laughs> but like I said, music progressively got um, you know, worse. Like. I don't know if you saw Saigon recent interview and he explained what Atlantic did when he was trying to make like some conscious music and the label executives were like, nah, we not releasing that. They want their three <laughs> singles. That's what they told him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's that's pre- that's how it went. You know, um, we was talking about Ja Rule, went from Ja Rule, then you had, you know, them franchise boys, mm. you know, and my white T, you know. 
what was that group? Um, D4L. D4L. I was about to say 3L. I was about to say 3LW, but yeah, D4L. Laffy Taffy. We started having all this nonsense. Hip hop coming out. Um, and it just wasn't about the lyrics no more. It was about like catchy dances um, in the 2000s. But lyricism was still kind of important then. Yeah. Then it went from that to like just pure mumble rap. Like, okay, we ain't gonna do the dances where we can hear what you're saying no more. We're just gonna start just saying whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's. That that's the difference. I know a lot of people get offended when you say mumble rap, but whatever. You know, it's like it's like um, I don't know. It's just it's just different. I, I'm not mad at them even doing that type of music, but it's not like it's almost like a different genre. It's you it's know? another one type of music, but you have that variety. So right, you know, we it was always records that 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 was just fun because I'm all about fun too. But you also need substance. You need fun, substance, fun. You need to, there needs to be a middle ground between all of that. Because you, know? you remember, like, in the night, you had, you know, your Jay-Z radio hits. You had ignorant stuff on, on the radio. You had Yin Yang Twins. Because, like, you remember the Yin Yang Twins, that I, 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 back to the high school party. That used to go hard. I, I didn't like the song until I got to the party. So I'm like, oh, yeah. this song all right, this is what this song is meant for. It's like club music. All right. But at the same time, you still have most Stephen Quali. That was still yeah. popping off in, in 99. You we, know? I mean, we, we talk about two, that just this the year 2001, just to stick to that. Like, uh, you people was listening to Project Pat and Trick Daddy yeah. and them, and they would just, it would just be just as hard, you know. So, you know, you always have, you know, the, the ones from that era, but now it's like just so much of it, you know, so like you said, it's almost like a different genre. But yo, yeah. so so going back to the blueprint and everything, we might as well just go into like the track. Yeah. Uh, the Ruler's Back. I want your thoughts on that. I got thoughts on that. Great, Great intro. Uh, it set the tone for the album. It set the tone what the album was going to be. And it goes with the theme, the theme, the rulers back. Even though Jay-Z was just there with the dynasty not too long ago, but still, it fits the theme of the blueprint. Um, the horns, um, the production is great. Is great. It just fit it. And then Jay is at his wittiest, you know, like a whole bunch of little witty lines. And the one thing I always loved about Jay is cockiness, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just sounds so cocky. And arrogant on the record, like yo, y'all can't, y'all can't fuck with me, and y'all know it. Y'all know y'all can't fuck with me. Why y'all even playing? Look, like I, I, I love that record, man. Um, just dope. It, I don't know if you want to get in some lines or what, but um, for me, you couldn't start off the album any better. Did you, did you ever catch how he? Um, Cause you remember Rockefeller um, had, you know, Memphis Bleak, Benny Siegel, him, Emil. But he does mention a mill on the ruler's back. He he do it real quick when he says you gotta drop a mill and then let you know the mill's gone. Yeah. Did you then, get, did you catch I that back then? <laughs> I caught it. I caught oh. it because I I'm one of the I'm one of the five people that bought a mill's album. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> if you do your CD collection, you're going to find that in that collection. Um, yeah, I wish I bought it because it actually, in my collection, that actually, I was a heavy Rockefeller fan, man. Because, you know, her, that song, the, the Rock, the, the, that was on that album, on her album. You know, um, and like that was. You know, um, when she would, whenever she would pop up on his features, she did what she was supposed to do. Um, I did. I always wondered, like, I didn't really, I never really liked her like that. I liked that song, so I ended up buying the album. A lot of people, I've yeah. always, you know, I always, she always came off as uh, Foxy's replacement. And Foxy was better. Yeah, yeah, she couldn't, you know. But, yeah, Foxy, but, yeah um, also, did you catch the, uh, when he says you're raining on the top of your shoulder, like leprechauns? I felt like mm -hmm. that was pretty much that he was about to get into Nas because he had to get go into Biggie from yeah. kicking the door. Yep. Yep. You're right. Yep. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I felt, but I felt like the at the time, I felt when he says, because at the time I'm a casual fan, so I don't understand the Jay-Z. I don't really start getting into Jay-Z Nas beef until Ether drops. So when he says you're raining on the top for sure, because I thought he was talking about Ja Rule because Ja Rule was raining at the top. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point, Jay and Ja, I don't think they had their tension yet. Okay. I think their tension came a little bit after that. You remember when Murder, Inc. tried to sign Nas? The next summer. Yeah, yeah, and that's when they kind of had, that's when Jay kind of threw shots at him on the Watchers, too, on a Blueprint, too. Yeah. Yeah, but um, not the Rulers back. If we doing the source five mics, I get that a five. That song is a like, cause especially considering what it's supposed to be, an intro. Yeah, an intro is supposed to set set the tone for an album. I don't know how do you do that any better than the rulers back. Okay, so I give it a three. Um, three? Now I'm gonna tell you why. And you mentioned it when we started. When you. I remember the, the Dynasty intro. So when yeah. I pop this in and I hear that, I appreciate it now because I can, you know, I, I know what's about to happen. I know we're about to hear Takeover. We're about to hear mm -hmm. what's, what we're going to hear subsequently. But I'm expecting, um, uh, you know, Jay-Z had dope intros, even Volume 3 and Volume 2, even though he was, it was Memphis Bleak on the intro for volume two. And um, mm -hmm. also A Million and One Questions on volume one. So I love Jay-Z's intros. People talk about Meek Mill's intros now. Jay-Z had fire mm -hmm. intros back then. So you hear the rulers back, the title of the, the, the song, I'm thinking, oh, okay, he's, he's coming with it. And the song is mellow compared to his other uh, intros. And I'm like, I was underwhelmed. Like it's not a bad intro. But I was underwhelmed at the time. I loved it even at the time because I just thought it set the tone. Now, and I compare it to this. You know um, Kendrick's to Pimple Butterfly, right? Yeah. If you just throw on a random song to Pimple Butterfly, you're like, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. But if you listen to it and sync in the order of the songs, it all makes sense and it flows so much better. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... If you just listen to the rulers back, just just as a song, who I don't think nobody does that. Nobody goes to the rulers back just as a song. You you go there 
when you want to listen to the blueprint because it's such a good tone setter. And I think that was the objective on it. That's why I give it a five. And the Whitney lines. Come okay. on. Yeah. So do you go back and listen to like Dynasty intro by itself without listening yeah. to the Dynasty album? Yes, but I don't love the Dynasty album like mm-hmm. that. The Blueprint is a classic album. I don't think the Dynasty is a classic album. Okay. Okay. Now the next record um, produced. That was produced by Bink. He he. Uh, pr- that was the first record he produced on now. Mm-hmm. Did three records, but second joint produced by Kanye West. Um, I only knew him from This Can't Be Life by that point, by this point. Uh, Takeover, we, we, we had heard the record from, through, from Summer Jam, um, and then, you know, you get the Nas disc. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this record? What, what were you thinking when you heard it? One of the best disc records of all time. Okay, I agree. Yeah. One of the best of all time. Even though the hook, if you want to get ultra-critical, like, I'm not an ultra critical person. Some people, you know, like that was out of sync and all that. I, I enjoy stuff for what, what it's for. But if I want to nitpick, the hook can be kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. Or, you're not really um, saying any rhyme. You're just saying who's on your roster. Right. You know, um, but for me, it worked because every time he did that, it was the build up to what, what the verse was going to say. The beat set the tone was a perfect beat for what the song wanted to do. Yeah, although Kanye barely even changed the beat at all. It was basically like this the same beat from the sample mm-hmm. for the most part. But it worked. You know what I'm saying? It's like um it's just a battle because the beats sound like a battle, like you're about to go into war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you march it, it sounds like you marching. But, like when I hear the beat, it's like you can march to it. Like you know what I'm saying? Um, and then the rhymes, the bars, loved it. Like the first verse, like like he he warmed up with the first verse. Then the way he started the second verse, I don't care if you mob deep. I hold triggers, cruise little fuck. I got money stacks bigger than you. Yeah. And like you know, people, although Tupac this mob deep. You know what I'm saying? With the sickle cell and stuff like that. Like, nobody really came at P like that since that. You know what I'm saying? And I would argue, like, the way Jay did it was more witty and creative. The way Pop did it was just ant. And just like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. Like, it, but it was uh, it was a different way of coming at Bob D. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then I just love... I'm, I'm just sticking with Project for now. I'm going to skip the last this. I'm going to go to the last verse. When he's saying all those old sayings, the wise man tell me don't argue with fools because people from the distance can't tell who is who. You know what I'm saying? Stop with that childish shit, nigga. I'm grown. Please leave it alone. Don't throw rocks in the throne. Yeah. Up that tree, that tree will fall on you. Like all these old sayings and just putting it together. Please not, Jay. All that thug rapping and gimmicks, I will end it. Like, yo, he was talking to Prodigy. He was talking to that man. Rest in peace, Pete, too, by the way. Yeah, much love. Rest in peace. Yeah, legend in the game. But Um, he was talking to that man. The thing with that is, um, I remember the first verse, he's building up the anticipation, but he's giving you breadcrumbs of what he's about to do because he keeps saying Dunny. 
and you know that's their slang, but he's not talking. He's basically like, you know, he's he's basically like, you know, letting you, making you think, well, who is he talking to? This is how I'm thinking, like, done. I'm like, that's Queensbridge. I know he's talking to Queensbridge. So then when he gets to the second verse, I'm like, he just goes straight in. But also, too, like, if you, like, if you read the magazines and you heard the Mob Deep interviews at the time, they, Jay-Z was kind of like on the, uh, responding to them. It wasn't like he was on the offense with uh, right. Mob Deep. Right. Now, at the time, I'm thinking, do we have beef with Mob Deep or is it just Prodigy? Um, because um, they were kind of grouped in together, but I feel like Jay-Z didn't really have any issues with Havoc, per se. He just had to get wow. Because I never heard Havoc this Jay-Z either. It was always Prodigy. Yeah. It was like Jay-Z versus Mob Deep, but it was really Jay versus Prodigy. Right. And also, it was another thing, too, because you had... Um, like the Queensbridge dude, um, E Money Bags, right? Yeah. At the time. Then The Rock had somebody, H Money Bags. And that was a that was a thing too. I think H Money Bags ended up changing his name to G to K. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was different too. E Money you know? Bags, yeah. I guess I think he had passed by that he had passed away. That's yeah, that was some street stuff. That's yeah, that that's some old that's some. That's a whole nother thing right there. Yeah. That's another episode. That's the. Um, I, I read this book called Queens Reign, Reign Supreme, and um, yeah. woo, people don't know. People look at um, like the like the the fifty cent jar rule, and even the J. They, like they look at that on the surface, yeah. and I'm like, no, it's the, it, people wouldn't understand what this really was, and they was kind of immersed in in that street beef, but that was kind of. Um, Petty in the Jay Z scope. I don't think he was really. That, that was. Um, there was a lot going on in the summer of two thousand and one that the public was not aware of too. Um, right. That um, that the public still a, a lot of people, unless you were like you and I are historians of hip hop. Yeah. The mainstream public still does not know a lot of things as far as back then. That's well documented. But right. Um, yeah. It might be for the best that we don't even yeah. ask crazy well, there, There's been a lot of publications and things written about it, so it's out there. You can easily search it, but um, yeah, that uh, some of that stuff is a college course in, in and of itself. It is. Um, it is. But it's, yeah, it's, you know, I'm always more about the music and the bars, because when it gets to that point, to like where that went, yeah. it's just like, to, that's just sad, you know. Like, yeah, but um, Jay Z really wasn't the stuff that, as far as Jay Z with that. I, it was really surface level. Um, nah, he wasn't big. He wasn't really involved in that. No, he wasn't. He was pretty much the top rapper, and everybody was coming for him. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that was his extent, but uh, it, it goes deeper. But uh, as that's far just, as that goes more into fifty and Ja Ruby. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's he really don't have nothing to do with that. That's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that situation. A fifty yes. and Jai episode would be longer than what people think, but um, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much what what that was. But um, uh, yeah. So okay. So that's the the you know yeah. second verse. Now five five. I give that a five. What about you? What take, take over. over? Well, you didn't say nothing about the Nasworth. 
Well, I think because that's been done to death. But like um, we we kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, he had direct response from the Stillmatic freestyles about okay. sampling Nas' voice because um, that was the thing Nas was running with. Like basically, Nas was saying like you like a stalker, like you my biggest fan. Mm-hmm. So he responded directly to that. He and the thing about it though, the verse kind of played into Nas' hand in the long run. You didn't know that at the time because he spoke to Nas almost like a fan because a lot of people were saying that, you know, some Nas last couple albums wasn't up to par at the time. Yeah. During this time period, you know, he had Illmatic, Undeniable Classic. It was written. Um, a lot of people say that's a classic. I think it was written. It was a classic, you know. But then you had the Firm album, which a lot of people was disappointed you had um, I Am, which was dope, but some people was disappointed with I Am, too. And then Nostradamus, I think most Nas fans would say that wasn't his best album, mm-hmm. you know. And to that time, that was his worst album to date, and that was his last album. Um, so, you know, when when he was breaking down Nas, like, mm, yeah. like you got one hot album every 10-year average, you know. Um, he was kind of speaking as a fan of Nas, where a lot of Nas fans was 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 thinking. Right. But in the long term that played against him with Ether because Nas used it like, yeah, you basically my biggest fan. You want to do everything I, I did. Your first song that ever got that really got major buzz, Dead President, who voice did you use? Who did you want on Reasonable Doubt? You wanted me to be on Reasonable Doubt, but I wouldn't give you a verse. Um you <laughs> the public didn't know. Yeah. Right, you, yeah, like, okay, you, you want to mess with my ex, you know, because she's with me, you know what I'm saying, or you want to mess with who I'm messing with, so it's like, and then Jay had that Trump car, you know, at the end, I think Jay thought Nas wasn't even, wasn't even going to touch it, because you know the ammo I got, you know, you know who did you know what would you know who, but let's keep that between me and you. See, at the time, I didn't know what that meant exactly. You know what I'm saying when he said that. But that was specifically for Nas, like, okay, if you go too far, I'll exploit that whole situation. But, you know, Jay overplayed his hand and it didn't work out what he tried to do was super ugly. But at the time, we don't know the artist at the time. That's revisionist history. At the time, it was fire. Yeah, um, well, like, well, just to keep moving it along, like, you gave it a five, I give it a five out of five, too, structure and everything, like, as far as, you know, and, and then that last verse, when he basically sums up all his other detractors, right, like, um, but I do, I do look back now, and I say to myself, that was a lesson, you notice, um, from that point on, like, if any rapper had a, a huge amount of momentum, they never like engaged in beef or responded to a rapper that they considered less than them at, uh, <laughs> after that. Like it was almost like a written rule. Don't do that because you could over, like you say, like overplay your hand. Whereas right. before um, it was like free, free reign, but it was, but after that, it was like a lesson to other rappers. Like if you get in position, you have to act like everybody doesn't exist. And Jay-Z is a master of that and like I think uh, TakeOver was the only one exception where he 
he didn't do that. And, you know, you see what happens. And there, th I do plan on doing a Stillmatic episode in December, so I don't want to die too much in the takeover. There's a lot of meat in that. So, yeah, five out yeah. of five. I don't think we need to really get into Izzo. Izzo was um, a five out of five, too. It was a commercial record, but it had substance. So what he was saying to me in the, the verses, even though it wasn't like the most complex, you know, industry shady, you need to be taken over. He was saying powerful things in a simple way. I give it a four. I like the beat. I give it a four. I can see four. I can see four, though. It's not. Yeah, know, it, it, it served its purpose. Yeah. I, I really like the last verse. The last verse was really dope. You know, people still quote that. Hove did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that. When you I know. think of the, the second verse was almost non-existent. Like, it was real short. Yeah, but I didn't even like that. So I overcharged them what they did for what they did to the cold. Yeah. And that's a whole other story, too, you know, that we get yeah, in some other time. Yeah, but people don't understand the significance of that, too. So, you know, so um, some singles by Jay-Z seem dated now. Uh, do, do, do Izzo seem dated now when you listen to it? Um, kind of, but not all the way. I think the verses don't sound dated. The verses are still crisp. Yeah. I still like the what sound dated is the Izzo. Uh, you know, for Sheezy, my Neezy, that's real dated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like that. that's, that, that's well dated. Yeah. Yeah, for shizzle my nizzle. That was slang at the time. Yeah, yeah. I forgot, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Uh, let me think. Okay, so the next record, Just Blaze, Girls, Girls, Girls. Um, uh, we were talking about that. that. That's one of the <laughs> records that what he's talking about in the song is exactly what happens in the video. Right, right, right. Yeah, the video was like the little cartoon, wasn't it? Like, it was no, nah, it wasn't. No, it was him. But then at the end, it had like the little hotel with all the girls talking to yeah, him. Yeah, he would, in 2020. He would get canceled on the third verse alone when he. <laughs> yeah, man, why you treat me like animal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I, I could understand. I didn't really love that line even at the time, mm -hmm. just because I was like, you know. Like all the other ones, it was, it wasn't as bad as that, that part. But you know, when I met you, you was dead, broken, naked. Now you want half? Like yeah, that's <laughs> that's tough. So that's, yo, so uh, on the way here, you know, I was I, I spoke to my mom on as a sidebar. And I was doing this episode, so I, yeah. I went to go visit her earlier today. I said I'm doing an episode on the blueprint, and she said, uh, which because. My mom, you know, she she's not a hip hop fan, but she knows like different artists. So she said, uh, "Which Jay Z album was that?" And um, I said, uh, "She says is that the one where um, he pulled the string on the narcoleptic." Because she uh, she loved the girls, 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 girls video, <laughs> and she too. loves that part. I'm like, "Why do you like that part?" Like, cause he <laughs> she fall asleep and she hold he holding the string and everything. Mm -hmm. um, the video, that video was mad funny. Um, you know, it didn't dawn on me until like a few years after that that was Biz Marquee and Q-Tip and yeah. Slipper. Did you, did you notice that? I would imagine you would do it immediately. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, even though um, Biz Marquee, Slick Rick is, is before my era, mm -hmm. um, I still 
knew them. I still knew their voices and okay. still rap. Yeah. Okay. Um, now the worst track on the album, uh, uh, Jigga that. Bro, we agree. I give that. I'm gonna be nice and not give it a zero. I give it a one. I, I was gonna give it like a two and a half. I hate that. I always hated that song. Gnarly dude and Hardy. No. So back and back, Trackmasters had a specific clap to every record they would do, and I, I never liked the Fiesta record that they did. I didn't like. Um, I like Fiesta. I didn't. I, I, they played it too much. Yes, uh, I like the original and the remix. Like, I, I did like I like the original. Original sound different than the remix. Way it different. Uh, I had because I had TP two, and this is before you know we knew. Well, we should have knew already that he was had problems with the because of the Leah situation, um, and that's the other thing too. Aaliyah out. Aaliyah died a few uh, weeks right, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but. Yeah, that was before we knew our Kelly was a truly a pedophile. At least I knew because I was young. Yeah, yeah. So after that, it's kind of hard to look at those records the same when you just know so much about how I was just like uh, this dude. But well, back to tape didn't come out until Best of Both Worlds. Right, right. So it, this was a little bit prior to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean they don't they don't age well to say the least. Um, right, I mean they still good songs. You can't deny talent no matter yeah, what. Yeah. You like like TP two is still a classic R and B album. You mm -hmm. can't deny that. So is the original Twelve Play. You can't can't deny it. But it's just like this dude right here, man. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, back to back to the subject. Um, I didn't. I wasn't reason. too too um, happy about them doing a collab album. I wasn't interested at the time, and it had nothing to do with. I felt like um, Jay Z was on a momentum. I didn't know why he would do a collab album. I actually liked the Best of Both Worlds album, though. I thought it was a good album. And a lot of people was. say a lot of people say that. So you know, I didn't. I didn't really. I, I went back. You know, when the pandemic happened, I, I got bored and, and started listening to a few albums. I was for, this year is the first time I ever heard the Best of Both Worlds. But but now I'm listening to it under the pretense of you know our Kelly yeah. and everything. So it's a, my I don't know how I would have felt about it because I I listened to TP2 and Chocolate Factory and all those back then. I didn't have yeah. any issues with them, but now uh, was it almost. 18, 17 years later, it's like it do sound different. And Trackmasters did that whole project too. They, I, I've never been a fan of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the um, post it was written work they did. Um, yeah. And other thing too, I didn't love like Nelly Furtado was on it, um, on the song, right? And like, I was like, should she even be saying nigga? Really? <laughs> that was her to say that. Yeah. I gotta look at the credits. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, so I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know. I really, I really don't love that either, you know? And besides that, the beat, I never liked, I didn't like the beat at the time. I even hate, I hate it even more now. Okay. Because I didn't like it in 2001. You can imagine what I think of it now because it's really dated. 
Okay. So I felt yeah. like he could have put that song on on volume three. Yeah, and it didn't fit the blueprint album either. That's the thing. Like it throws off it throws off the album a little bit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It doesn't fit the album at all. All right. Um that's what all right, so so the segue into that, instead of, instead of talking about you don't know, I want to talk about Ola Vito first. And the reason why I bring want to bring that up is because Timbaland and Trackmasters were kind of oddly placed as far as producers. Do you think Timbaland made it made what he gave Jay-Z work more to the theme of the album? Not really, but I like the song better. I agree. I agree. It, it still doesn't fit the album. Um it because it's not right. like a soul, it's not it doesn't have like a soul sample, but it's not yeah. so odd that you don't want to listen to it. Like I don't skip right. it. Right. It's like it kind of it doesn't fit the theme. It doesn't really fit fit the sound of the album, but but it's not a bad song. Mm-hmm. It's like I can listen to it. Is that my go-to song? No. When I listen to the Blueprint, do I skip it most of the time? Yes. But it's not like a bad song. Like I actually think "Jigga That Nigga" is a bad song. Yeah. Hola Ho Vito is like, eh, it's okay. It's about a three. So when you listen to albums, um, you, like you play Blueprint front to back, um, Jigga That Nigga is what I play when I go to the bathroom. Like that's bathroom break. That one, yeah. <laughs> that's the one song that's uh, art. You remember when iPods first came out and you play put your that was the song I left off of it. I was like, up, oh, nope. You took it off the whole playlist. Oh man. I took it off completely. You know. <laughs> and when I listen to the blueprint like streaming now, yeah, I I wish I could just knock that song off. I wish that song didn't exist. I hate that song. But yeah, I I, I give that a one. Whole I whole veto is about a it's, it's a three. It's a it's a decent song, but probably my second least favorite song of the album. Okay. Uh, you you don't know is a five out of five. Classic. The only thing about you don't know, I heard it like I heard you don't know is so in advance of the album because it was on every mixtape. Mm-hmm. Like for months on end before the album came out. So when so when you play with the blueprint, it wasn't a surprise to me like it wasn't like a fresh song because I didn't heard it so many times before, but it's still a dope classic song, definitely. Five I, out of five. I love that um, beat, but you know what? Um, I feel like Just Blaze polished it up for the remix with MOP on Blueprint too, yeah. and I'm like, it's like perfect. The 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 remix is perfect. Whereas yeah. if you look listen to it um, side by side with the original, Jay Z's lyrics is fire, but the 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 way he uses the sample and then the beat and the drum patterns, it's like it's almost imperfect a little bit, which um, it that's what makes it good. But he, he it's kind of like he goes back to that beat and then makes it fix whatever errors he could probably thought he probably had on Blueprint. Because yep. the remix is just as good to me. The remix is fire. The beat is better on the remix. But... I, yeah. It's something about the original that I just like. I think it's just that slick talk Jay had on him. That slick hustling talk. talk you know? I'm a hustler, baby. I sell water to a well. And everything he was saying, he was doing. Like, he was speaking facts, but most people would just, it would just be braggadocious and they would be, you know, talking just to brag. But 
he was telling you what he had been doing for five years, like one million, two million, three million, four, just five years, 40 million more, you know. Just facts. Talking that, that's like the beginning of that big business talk. Because, you know, before he was talking that hustling, that just that drug hustling stuff, right? Yeah. Crack. That was the beginning. That was one of the songs in the beginning of that big business Jay talk, hustling in a different way, that legal hustle. So, like on Reasonable Doubt and prior, like when he would talk big business talk, it felt like to us, like ambitious. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he wants, well, you don't know, it felt like he was there and he kind of came, it was like almost he had got to the top and we didn't realize it until he was at the top. Like, oh, wait a minute, he did exactly what he said he was going to do in five right. years. Yep, yep. And he first started that on that Mill album with that song <laughs> you know rock aware 80 mils in like 18 months you can bullshit with rap if you want <laughs> yeah yeah jay, jay yeah that i like some people don't like it because i know people always felt like jay was throwing um his money in in average people faces because you know the majority of people that was listening to it didn't have it like that a lot of us was in poverty but i never took it like that um, first of all, I just like, you know, that's hip hop, braggadocious talk, slick talk. I don't mind it, you know, whatever, you know, and then in certain instances, in certain um, instance is motivational, you know what I'm saying? So I, I never took it personally. I know some people did, though. He wouldn't really address that type of criticism, though, until Black Album, um, on Moment of Clarity, it pretty much was like, he, he was aware of that criticism right. of him. Um, but I mean, he was speaking facts. I mean, you can look at that record and, uh, in retrospect and be like, man, he wasn't lying. Um, even if you didn't realize it then, it's like, man, you wasn't lying. Um, all right. Um, ain't no love. Five. All right. You think that's one of Kanye's best beats? Dope. Um, I don't know. Kanye got a lot of. A lot of dope beats, and it's funny to say that too, because the way Kanye is now, I can't stand. I can't stand Kanye now. Yeah. But back then, can't again, can't deny talent. Production well, you know, with him, I I can separate what he mm-hmm. does now to that era. It's almost like I'm looking. Yeah. It's like two different Kanyes, like two different people. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like a, when I when I hear those records, I'm like, I, I don't think of Kanye now, now if we go like anything post Jesus or after Watch the Throne, then I might think too much of what he's doing now. But back then, that was, Kanye himself wasn't what he is now. So it was, it was right. Even if you like, yeah, correct. But even so, like I said, with R. Kelly, mm-hmm. can't deny talent. No, you can't, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Like you can't change history too. Like these things happen mm-hmm. in that time that it happened, you know. Um, yeah, I don't like them personally, but talent wise, yes, talent is there. Oh yeah. Um it's funny because Kanye said he wanted that he originally did that beat. He wanted to give the DMX. Yeah. Could you could you see that? I could see that. I could see X telling a grimy story on that. I could see it. Yeah. But I, don't know, I, I don't know if I can. Maybe it's, I'm so attached to um, Kanye and 
Jay-Z on that record. And every time I think of Kanye and DMX, I think of The Dog Is Out. <laughs> off of the Grand Champ album. <laughs> Which wasn't a bad song either, but it wasn't Ain't No Love. Grand Champ wasn't that good. It had it had some some like a couple yeah a couple of joints. That's a different story. <laughs> a couple of joints. Like um, but yeah, I could picture X on that because like you know X was good at telling stories. Mm-hmm. X storytelling ability is underrated. We all we talk about Biggie. We talk about Nas. You could talk about Pac. You could talk about Ghost. You could talk about Slick Rick. Now, X may not be right at that level If not, he's right below that. You know, S can tell some, some stories, how you get down, great love story. Um, Damien, great stories. Um, then he just had those grimy, those just grimy hood tells. Like, X can tell a story. I could picture him telling some type of hood grimy story on that. Okay. Uh, I could definitely picture that. So that you give that one a five? I give it a five. Yeah, I mean... Nothing less. Can't get nothing, nothing less. Um, another, the next one interest. This is an interesting one to me. Um, all I need. I like all I need. This is like, not a four. I like yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. You know what's funny about all I need? Although I think never was never changed before that or after. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Never changed was number. But that's okay. We can talk about all I need. It's, it's, it's all good. Um, the funny thing about that, I, I didn't really like the beat at the time. And when it came out, I didn't hate the song, but I was like, this beat is not that hot. This beat, I kind of don't like the beat, but now I like the beat. 
maybe because I got older. Okay. You know, and the sound of it, I'm like, the beat is okay. It's not the best beat in the world, but it's solid. I give it, I agree with you. I give it a four. All I need. Yeah. Okay. Uh, never change. I give that a five. Four and a half, maybe five, because I don't think the first verse lyrically is that great. Yeah. But I might still give it a five just because the overall feel, the beat is perfect. Love the beat. I love the hook. Um, I, it's, I like the second and third verses a lot. Um, even though he took a Nas line. It's funny, he took a Nas line and he dissed him in the same album. I, that, that was kind of weird to me. But what, what uh, do you think? the ritual, pass it around the tune. That's the ritual. That on the third verse. Okay. So it's it, it's funny, <laughs> and but I, I like never change though. The feel it, it's something about just the feel of that song. I like the the David Ruffin sample. Like that pretty much hooks that hooks me in, and the yeah. the, the drums man on that that you know it was kind of it was it was kind of reminiscent of uh, the this can't be life that he. Uh, he gave Jay for the Dynasty album. Again, Kanye did his thing on that. Yeah, I'm like I'm with you when you like lyrically um, the verses is, but I think the the production and everything I I really it's it's not bad lyrically. It's just compared right. to what we've been hearing and it. But also I accept like actually that's like right after Ain't No Love, you come mm -hmm. off of so much of a high with Ain't No Love. And the records prior that that kind of mellows you out. So sometimes se sequencing is important for albums. It is. Um, and the beat itself is one of my favorite beats on the album. Yeah, I love the beat. I just think I like the stories Jay was telling on it, but I just I just heard Jay be better lyrically. Yeah. Even though that's the famous lost the '92 bricks yeah. bricks line and stuff too on there, but yeah. What, what did, okay, now, um, th this is an obvious five out of five for me, uh, Song Cry. Absolutely. One of the best loves, love songs of all time. Yeah. Did if you, you like want to love. I love the video. Yeah. I liked everything about Song Cry. Um, I know some people didn't like it because they felt like they played it too much on the radio, and it kind of got played out, which I can understand, but it's a classic to me. Like, I just love the story from beginning to end. Um, because, you know, you can see this happening. Somebody that, growing up, that didn't have a lot of confidence, um, that was getting shitted on, girls, like, you know, the, the end girls at the time, wasn't giving them no play, but he had the loyal one. But what do you do when you actually have the means to get what you always wanted? Like, you don't want to break the one that's been by your side hurt the whole time, but it's like you almost in, you keep bringing up Nas, like your second childhood. Yeah. Like, I missed out on this, and this is something that I always want to do. Like, what do you do in that situation, that test character? So I love, I love the storytelling on that. And thinking that, you know, this chick will be, will stay with me no matter what I do. You know, um, she will always be by my side. And it, it goes, and I had to explain this because um, when my wife listened to the song, she like, what is this? You know, that line, like, I was just fucking those girls. I was going to be right back. Yeah. And like some women, 
they just like, what is that? That makes no sense. And I, I explain it. I'm like, understand what he meant. He's we all <laughs> men, we, we we know exactly what he meant. Like we was Yeah, we know it is like I think that's like a disconnect with men and female there. I'm like, what he's saying is like the sex didn't mean anything. Cause I think like I don't want to generalize because you get it, it gets dangerous if you generalize too much. But a lot of us can separate emotion from sex, mm. right? And like some women can do that too now. Um, so I'm not saying that no women can do can't do that. But what he was saying is like it was just sex. Like I said, I was fucking those girls. It didn't mean nothing. It was just something that you know that I couldn't have when I was younger. I was just trying that out, but I wasn't serious about none of them i really didn't like none of them you was the wifey you was always going to be there you were the one that most that had me emotionally but you know it's caution to tell you can't expect a woman to put up with that yeah no especially in the song the way he was telling the song it wasn't a one time it wasn't a two time thing it was a continuous thing and then like yeah you can't expect no matter how loyal she is to stay by your side when you do that hell it's a major chance even risking it even doing it one time yeah. you know what i'm saying but classic that's why i love it i love the dynamics to it i love the complexity of it i like the, the fact that uh back then like when they when you make the re- records about the relationships or you know women it would be kind of like real soft and it would be real um yeah. Uh, surface level, but he was got real introspective. The beat was higher. What he's saying was real. I didn't relate to those lyrics though until later on in life. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because you know I'm hearing the song, but it, it, I'm not really living that. And I, it's going in one ear. And I, I'm looking at it for entertainment, and then uh, you know, 15 years later, I listen to it and I'm like, damn, like you know, these are people that have been through this prior. You know what I mean? Like this is life. This happens. It's crazy though because he wasn't really known for relationship records. Uh, he re- he rarely dropped. He had it was few and far between, and he definitely didn't make them singles. I believe this that was the last single from the album. Yeah, it is great. Like, and people always go back to it because now it's used in in ether. Like, scared to smile, they called you ugly. Yeah, like you know, it's always like they used to say I was ugly and wouldn't touch me. Yeah. And you know, you know, he kept the one hundred. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I remember, I love that. But you know, it's crazy. Songcraft really don't get uh, radio doesn't play it as much as they play other Jay Z records now. It's, it's classic, man. Like that's all I could say. I remember it got radio play at the time. It did, it did. But once it's, he dropped Blueprint Two, like they pretty much stopped. And shout out to Just Blaze. Just Blaze did his thing with that. You know what I'm saying? That particular record? Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Crisp. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, uh, I thought the other records was, was, was like, all, I look at, mu- listen to music almost kind of like scientifically. It's like I'm a fan, but I, I almost listen to it from, like, like, I analyze it as I'm listening to it. Um, so when you talk about like the perfect record and how it's structured, like I feel that way about takeover, like when people compare takeover and ether, like would take the arguments always takeover is like structured and the way it's he, he's in pocket of the beat and, and the, the way, you know, 
you know, Kanye comes in and stuff like that. Like, boy, I feel that way about Song Cry. Like, um, where I can pick a flaw or whatever and you don't know, or girls, girls, girls. There's no flaw at all in like song, songwriting-wise. Once you lose that good girl, she's gone forever. I'm mourn forever. We're going back. With the fact that did you wrong forever. Come so on. when he when he finally when he put out Rihanna's "Good Girl Gone Bad," the fan of me was like, "Oh, this is like he's he used the line from Song Cry, and that became a whole album for a pop star." Like eight yeah. years later. <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, it's crazy. Like a, a Rihanna fan wouldn't think of "Song Cry" when you think "Good Girl Gone Bad," but that's exactly where it comes from. Right, you're right. I didn't, you know, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, that's that's right. Jay Z was the one that first signed Rihanna to yeah Def Jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gave her that. That that's that record. He gave her that edge and everything. Um, okay, Renegade. Classic, classic, um, classic um, feature. You know, I, I give it a five. You know what's funny? The beat don't, somehow the beat is different. It's not soulful, but it still fit the album to me somehow. Even though I don't really love Eminem as a producer at all. I think it's because it's so minimal. There's not a lot of a lot added to it. Now you, yo, you was from you from that era. Did you hear the leak with Royce to Five Nine? I did not at the time. I heard it later. Okay, because I I didn't hear it at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, not, do you believe he got mur- Jay Z was murdered on that song? No, I don't believe that. Do you? Um. I feel like Eminem, what he's saying was some of the illest stuff that you could say, but Jay-Z was relatable. I related so much to what Jay-Z was saying that it resonated with me. You know, my, you know, his pop left him, you know, my pop, you know, I'm often my mother wasn't home and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hearing and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, he was like me at one point. Uh, but I'm hearing what Eminem saying. I'm like, oh, this is sick. Like, you know, mm-hmm. And like Eminem, that was some of his best wordplay. Mm-hmm. Like the wordplay and the witty, funny lines. Um, sometimes it get corny to me though. Like the, but in this song on Renegade specifically, it wasn't corny. Yeah. It fit. You know what I'm saying? Um, now you go to Eminem's solo albums. I I can't take a lot of that stuff. I'm just like, oh, get this. I I can't I can't listen to a whole album of this shit. Now, but on this, yeah. Do, do you remember um, they played this as a single on the radio back then? Renegade. I remember Renegade. They were playing on the radio. Yeah. Um, it was almost weird because they was playing. They was playing uh, Jigga that nigga. They was playing Girls, 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 and they was playing Renegade. It was Renegade. Weird. Yeah, and Renegade was. Renegade was was um, a classic. The thing is, though, you could tell it was an Eminem song. It, even though it was on Jay Z album, it felt like Eminem featuring Jay Z instead of the opposite way around. Though. Yeah. But to be expected because Eminem made the beat. It was his song. He had Royce on it. It was more his style than Jay Z style. But yeah. Jay, but Jay spit. Like I think because now I said it on Ether, people kind of run with that. 
because yeah. Eminem heard you on your own shit. But like, no, nah, they both got off on it. They both did their thing. The only reason why people like I didn't take it as an Eminem song is because Eminem didn't have nothing out at the time. He he, it was a while before he would drop his next album, and by that point, I didn't associate Renegade or nothing with it. So it was mm-hmm. all you could tell that he made it, and Jay Z jumped on it, and. Mm-hmm. But it didn't sound so out of place, like you said, on the album, whereas it felt like a J- it didn't feel like a Jay-Z feature, even though you know that uh, Eminem did not make it for the blueprint. Right. It, it still felt more like an Eminem song to me, but it fit the album somehow. It's one of those things like it's not really a soulful beat. I don't like I don't even like Eminem as a producer, but it fits. Yeah. It fits. I'm surprised they didn't do any records after that. Well, after <laughs> after Eminem merged you on your own shit, Jay probably is just like, you know, if I do another song, people actually going. Yeah. And it's funny because when I said that, he didn't get on God's son. He didn't have Eminem rap on the cross to be that Eminem made from. Yeah. Because he like, you know, after you say that, you know, you you have to have a better verse there. I'm gonna do an episode on Godson eventually, but I like the cross beat too. I know some people hate on that, but I like I don't mind Eminem's beats. Now I don't really like albums. <laughs> I I really didn't like love the cross beat, but it was but it was still a good song. I don't it's not the worst beat in the world. It's, um without going into it, I think it's because like it, it's almost the sequence of an album. You get down, you when you come off that like that's a high point to start off yeah, an album. Yeah. So the mm-hmm. crosses brings your mood down, but you know major yeah. looks about to bring you back up. Right, right. I wanna have an episode one day about how people need to learn how to sequence albums, um, because that is so important. Me and you've been talking for the longest about uh this album and you notice we didn't give every record a five. Some exactly. of got uh three we got gave some records three some of them got fours and i, I didn't give yeah. jigga that nigga that uh, as low as a score as you did but you know but this is still a classic album they exactly. know where to p- place the you know you have to know where to place these records right 100 uh, percent. yeah now yeah that's dope undeniable you give renegade a five as well yep yep right. um, okay so uh the uh, blueprint mama loves me Another five. Yeah. Another five. I love. I, I love. It's the perfect way to. And even though technically there's two more songs, technically, yeah, um, the bonus tracks. But this is really where the album ends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, perfect way to end the album. I like the again the beat fits. Uh, more introspective, Jay Z. Um, you know, just talking about how he got to this point. Basically breaking down his whole life in that one little song. Yeah. From beginning to end. Mama loved me. Pop left me. You know, and that just that's continuous theme and how played how his father leaving him played such a big world role of him, you know, going out hustling and then bringing up all the people that really believed in him in his dream of rapping. You know, bringing up um Clark sought me out. Dane believe, Primo lace me, like you know, yeah, just just everything, just just going through his life. I, 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 yeah, perfect to me. 
the perfect song. It's the, the crazy thing is, um, like he's like he starts off, you know, with the rulers back, and then he's doing all this stuff on the album and everything, and it's almost like he's humble on the last track. He's back right. being a kid, uh, making the beats on the table, you know, while his mom in the kitchen and stuff like that, and his brothers and sisters around him. So it's like yeah. a full circle moment after everything that happens, whatnot. Um, I, another, I give it a five two. I don't want to rate the the last two records. Um, I thought they tracks. Huh? I know it's confusing because, like, we gotta explain this to people a little bit because for those that didn't listen to Blueprint at the time, it might just be listened to it on the streaming service. Yeah, it goes track one to fifteen. Yeah. Now. Back then, when we had CDs, we knew it was a bonus track. So after Mama Loves Me go off, like there's like 15 seconds or so where you just think the album over and we're just done. And then you hear the little skit, the little interview with Jay Z with lyr- yeah. lyrical exercise come up. Those was those two lyrical exercise and girls remix. Yes, it's on the blueprint, but is not in sync with the with the album. It's bonus tracks. Like, you know, I don't know. You know what? I don't know why they do that under streaming services because uh, on volume three, they don't take the two bonus tracks and make them extra tracks on 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 uh like streaming services. They they have you wait till the last record to hear um uh, what records was it? It was um. It was two songs. One he had from the Blue Streak soundtrack, and then it was the other one that switched. Uh, uh, the Diamond, the Diamond song. Yes, yes, that one. Ugh, that song did not. On Volume Three, you had to wait for those two songs. Yeah, no, yeah, that song did not age well at all. <laughs> no, it sounded oh. like 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do, do you notice on um, Girls, Girls, Girls Part 2, Michael Jackson in the background? Was that Mike in the background? He's in the background. Um, that's been confirmed by Jay-Z. He's, he's mentioned that. And then um, I forgot who, Just Blaze has mentioned that too. But I, I can't pick him out. I can't pick him out from that. I can't either. I didn't know that was Mike either. Yeah, he basically... Girls out. No, I don't I, I can't picture it. I can't picture it. Yeah, he's he's on it, but he, he's uncredited because at the time he did that, and Jay Z wanted doing the remix to Rock My World. Yeah, that I like Rock My World too. That was a dope. I I like that. I wasn't. I was going to talk about it. We'll talk leading up to Blueprint, but then I realized that I think it came out after the Blueprint. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. I but, I do like the two bonus tracks. I like both of them, especially lyrical exercise. Um, it's, I feel like a lot of rappers today would were, were have like like they like lyrical exercise. I love it because especially if you into like scheming, like if you in the battle rap, like a lot of battle rappers use schemes, yeah. basically just word association. Yeah, that's what lyrical exercise is. Yeah, you know, push up on the block. A lot of word association. I thought it was dope. Yeah, real. <laughs> who produced that? I never knew who. Just like. Just Blaze did. Oh, he did both the uh, the bonus records. So really, he did five. If you notice, if you notice, lyrical exercise, 
is almost the exact same beat as Meet the Parents on Blueprint 2. Yes, it is. You know what? Now that you mention it, it is. The the drum patterns is exactly the same. Yep. It's exactly and Just Blaze did both. Yes, okay. Yeah, it's like basically the same. Meet the Parents just a little bit different. It's just yeah. like a little variation, but it's basically the same beat. Okay. Um. So... We pretty much just, you know, and dissected, you know, the hell out of this album and everything. Um, is this your favorite debut album? Four or five hours. We're gonna have to, we have to cut this joint up. <laughs> I know. Do, do, where do you rank this in his discography? Mm, I still like Reasonable Doubt better, personally. Um, I'll say second best album. Yeah, I will too. I, I I go reasonable doubt. I like it just as much. I, I like reasonable doubt more. I feel like reasonable doubt gets better over time. Um, it does. Can I live is my favorite Jay Z song ever. And while we talked about this album, that there was a song too that like I didn't. There's I like every song on reasonable doubt. Um, yeah, me too. It's not a song I skip on reasonable doubt. Um, I also like the black album, but I think the blueprint edges the black album. Not not blow it out. It edges the black album to me. Um, I look at them like a trilogy. They're pretty much, you know, and then the, the in, there's in betweens. Um, I love yeah. black album too. I, I'm gonna cover it. I want to cover that too, because um, that's also one where there's some records that I don't care for. Um, some of change. them. I, I like change. I didn't like Allure. Oh, I love yo. Everybody I love you. <laughs> Everybody like the beat is so metal and like allure is, allure is my joint I, I, I like that but I hate change clothes maybe I'm on the outlier in that because everybody else I talk to like change clothes but I'm like backing on up like a U-Haul truck I was like what is this like get this out of here I don't like the beat I don't like nothing about change clothes. it was the my album about to drop but I got to drop the first single um mm -hmm. He could have dropped dirt off my shoulders though, like because that was the second one. He could have dropped that as the first. I still, I love get, uh, dirt off your shoulders. Thank God he didn't choose the potion as a beat because uh, Timberland Timberland gave him the potion um, back then. But you ever see? Have you seen that studio session where he plays him the potion? Jay no, I didn't see it. And Jay Z, because he gives him that, because Ludacris wound up taking that that the potion, yeah. but Jay Z, Jay Z like it, but then uh, Timberland's like looking at him, and he's like, I guess he's trying to uh, get a placement on the album, so then he plays "Dirt Off Your Shoulder," and Jay Z just his face just turned up, and he was like, yeah, you could tell Timberland in the back of his mind is like, yeah, I got we, I got something. He didn't play him what he what he um, thought he was going to turn down at first. He, he eased him into it. So I love that, you know, but I, I you know, that allure and I don't like justify my thug. Either. Oh, that's the one song I didn't really love. I don't even know what he was trying to do with that. I, I guess he just wanted Madonna on that. Yeah. Some type of way. Like, he's like, quick, whatever you got to do to get this Madonna thing to work, just do it. Yeah, I think produce that right quick quick it did I don't even know what he was trying to do with that song to then, be honest it was weird that he put him on there too because 
he didn't really do too much work with DJ Quick. That's the only song, to my knowledge, that DJ Quick ever did for Jason. Yeah. I didn't have, a, I didn't have a problem with the beat, his production. It was the song overall. And the sample with, with the with the Madonna, it just it sounds bad. No, no, no. But yeah, it just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Blueprint is um is pretty much um one that um is the second best. Um I that's also the one whereas I didn't really care for its um sequels. I didn't care for it. I did like the I might be in the minority, but I did like Blueprint three. But the thing is, they none of the three sound the same. They could they could have had different titles. Yeah, it's just like it's going back to the world. You I agree with you there. And Blueprint 2 was, it is very average. It's not bad. Like some people say, it's extremely average though. Especially for a double album. And like Jay-Z and Nas both fell into this trap. Because Nas, same thing with Street Disciple. Um, Not everybody can make a double album. Just because Tupac and Biggie and Wu-Tang did it successfully. I feel like they the only hip hop acts that really did it successfully, because to be honest, um, even that Bone Thugs Art of War, I thought that's that's when Bone Thugs started to fall off a little bit. I didn't love Art of War like that, yeah. uh, especially compared to East Ninety Nine and um, Creep Up and then Kane. Um, the Art of Art of War was a fall off from that, in my opinion. Um, the blueprint to it was a bad double for double album standards. Street Disciple just like leave those double albums alone, man. Like, two they, weren't, they weren't bad. Blueprint two and Street Disciple are not bad albums. Right. They had just as many good songs as bad songs, but a lot of people put give all eyes on. I don't. I know why all eyes on me get classic status, but that second disc, hard mm-hmm. listen for me. Yeah, especially towards the end. Um, although he got some joints on the second disc, like the first few. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that see, was, I love, yeah, but that's because that classic. Um, holla at me, classic. Wonder why you call me bitch. Wonder why they call you bitch, classic. And, and that um, double album, that was not a. It wasn't like a double album with two short albums. Like each album was long. <laughs> But then you write, uh, once you start getting into Thug, Passion, yeah. and, and Checkout Time, and that's my favorite. Yeah, okay. Even though I know some people that love Checkout Time, but like I'm like, eh, that's not me. And that's why I always say that about the double album, Biggie is king. The double. Would you feel about Wu-Tang Factor, though? That's second. And they came out the same year. Like, it was crazy that, you know, one came out first. That's probably why I rank Biggie's a little bit higher. But Wu-Tang Forever is, you know. Yeah. Like, most – I would tend to agree that Life After Death is probably the best double double disc album. I know ultra-pop fans would disagree. But, like, yeah, there was a lot of filler on All Eyes on me. Even though it's still a classic album, Um, like – I don't like what's your phone number. I hate what's your phone number. Um, it's it's a few of those songs, like like we like we mentioned. But the reason why All Eyes on Me is still a classic because those songs that hit, they really hit. Yeah. Like, 
ambition of a writer. One of the best hip hop songs ever, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, start off, start off the uh, album and everything. That's another one too that it would be a, a long episode because there was a lot. We talked, we talked a lot about what was surrounding the blueprint. There was a lot surrounding uh, all eyes on me. Uh, yeah. it felt like a movie within itself. Like, and it was so different from me against the world. Mm-hmm. So much different than Pop Last album. Um, nothing to like. It's like All Eyes on Me is like completely different than Me Against the World. Uh-uh. No, but oh. he, yeah, but 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 from that, he was the one hip hop artist at the time that it felt like he was getting covered every day, whether it be mainstream news or hip hop. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that was crazy time. I remember when. Um, it was major news when when he got bailed out of jail, and it felt like California Love didn't drop like it dropped like immediately after. It was almost like like they said, um, Pop made all eyes on me in two weeks. I, I mean, you you can tell like he was. Yeah, I mean that's how he recorded. Yeah, but you want to talk about like people was anticipating the Dre track, and then you hear in California Love, and then you just hear. Tupac just come from the side, like, out on bail for shot of jail, and everybody's like, oh, Pac out. And it's crazy. Like, the anticipation was like crazy. It was, it was crazy. I felt for Bad Boy at that time. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was crazy. Like, um, at the time, like, because people were so biased, it was no objectivity with it. It was like, you was either on this side or you yeah, was on that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was so, but when that came out, I was too young to really fully, like, out, really know what I was listening to. Because when that came out, I was, like, 11, 12. Okay. Right. Um, like, I knew it. I was, I was into it. But this is before I was really, really fully could understand everything. You know what I'm saying? Um this was before I was reading the magazines all the time, too. Yeah. So, but yeah, this was a good episode, though. I mean, this was longer than, <laughs> this was longer than I don't know what, but, hey, it was good talk. And the reason why it's long, I don't know about you, but, like, I really don't come across too many people I can have thorough discussions with hip-hop about yeah. anymore, you know? But this was a great discussion. Any Anything else you want to add? Um... No, oh, well, I, I wanted to talk, talk. I do have another podcast that I'm gonna drop. Um, I'm a music head, so I'm what the hip hop and coffee, you know, documenting the hip hop, the hip hop uh, releases. I want to do something for R&B. I'm an R&B fan, so I want to do a separate podcast. So do two two episodes a week, uh, one for hip hop and coffee, but do one called uh, it's called the. Um, the slow jam tapes is an R&B podcast, so I'm gonna do classic R&B joints. Oh, that's dope. That's yeah. dope. So um, I'm gonna probably like release like the, the I, I've, I've you know put I was spent most of my week making the cover, which is like an old cassette tape for the, as a cover for the podcast because you know I want to cover like you know 
You know, I, I look at, listen, like in the 90s or whatnot, in 2000s, especially the 90s, there was a lot of dope R&B stuff coming out that I was heavy on, just as much as hip-hop that I go back to. So, um, the this podcast, like, I want to use it for, like you say, like, have hip-hop discussions, but also teach the younger generation stuff. The R&B one is mainly stuff I want to just um, reminisce with, like, the, my generation and the older generation. So, yeah. That's dope. That That's dope. I definitely support that. Um, I'm a, I'm a R&B. I'm more of a hip-hop head. I'm an R&B head as well, though. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, um, when I had, um, I used to have this platform always for black. Yeah. Um, my partner, Jamie, right? She used to always, or Miss Baba, excuse me, that's her name. Yeah. Miss Baba, she always make fun of me because she said I was the only person on earth that ever bought the Lena Johnson album. Oh. I, I had the Selena Johnson album, yeah. And she used to really make fun of me. Man, people going to get at me because I already admitted I bought a Mill album. I bought Selena Johnson. I also bought Blue Can Trail album. First one? Both of them, first and second. <laughs> I didn't buy that second one. <laughs> I did not buy that second one. <laughs> Yo, so... She would like she steady clown. She was like, "You bought blue can." I'm like, "Blue control sing." Yeah, that's the thing about R and B. It's kind of like hip hop too. You know, just because you lyrical doesn't mean you can make a good album. Like Kenneth, even though I do like 2000 BC, but like um, a lot of Canvas albums, I didn't like even though he is lyrical. Yeah. Um, another example: just because you can sing doesn't mean you can have a good R and B album. You know what I'm saying? Like. It just got to come together. The production got to be there. The lyric, even the lyrics got to be there. Kid, do you have good songwriters? Do you write your songs yourself? Is the, does it, you know, does the style fit you? You know, so much is more than just being able to sing. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, Blue Cantrell, um, she, I love that first album. I feel like they, like a lot of, and this is the case with a lot of R&B albums, they, like for the ones that didn't take off or go far, they would, it would just, they would pick the wrong singles, like the wrong follow-up singles, because the first record was a hit. And then you hear the album, especially now, and I'm like, why didn't you follow it up with uh, this song or this song? Because sometimes it's really about, especially back then in the uh, 106 and Park era, it was really about your single if you came out with a single, especially if you was a new artist and it didn't work, uh, that second single didn't work, you was kind of labeled off as a one-hit wonder. Uh, right. Which is a shame because back then there was a lot of good albums. Like they put out good albums back then, especially uh, late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. Um, so many, it was so many talented R&B artists that they just stayed like mid level for whatever reason. Like Deborah Cox, I thought Deborah Cox was extremely talented, mm -hmm. but um, she never got above a certain level for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. So, um, Deborah Cox still put out projects to this day, but it just doesn't like independently. So that yeah. that I, I want to put bring that to light too because um, I I feel like that's also a dying genre, like that type of R&B. So give give those artists that's still around their roses while they're here and everything. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably why Brandy and Monica was kind of successful and had a lot of viewers. Because uh, that type of music, like 
people don't sing like that no more. Right. It's almost like it's gone. You like. You know. Right. And just speaking of classics, you know, we I know we about to wrap it up. Like you talking about R and B because we talked about Mob Deep and One Twelve earlier. Mm-hmm. One Twelve Cupid is still the perfect song for this day. Yeah, as soon as you hear it, as soon as you hear love, it, love that joint, man. Um, and eventually, you know, we could talk about some of the verses. You know, the One Twelve Jagged Edge. That's all. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a it's a lot, man. Like I'm a music head. Is is new music still giving you that same feel? Uh, it depends. Like I got it for obviously when when Kings Disease drop. Um, it depends on like when the legends come out. Like I get that feeling. Like if I know Nas is dropping, if I know Jay's dropping, then the kid in me comes back. Now the newer artists know. They really got to get my attention, um, you know. But you know, the, the, I don't consider them new artists. But you know, I'm hearing rumblings of Kendrick about to drop a surprise project. We just don't know when. It's we just know soon. So I get excited for him. I get excited for Cole. Um, I get excited uh, for Lupe. You know what I mean? Like the, the, these are those artists I do. But it's it's few and far in between. You know, a lot of kids now they like. Um, Lil Baby and uh, Roddy Rich and I, it's just hard. I, gotta, I have to figure out a way to really get into it. It's hard. I might just. I was trying. I was. Like I said I'm a little bit older than you. Like um, so, a couple years ago when I was your age, I was the same way. I was trying. I was just like, cause I do, I don't want to get old and out of touch. And now I'm just yeah. like I I can't do it. Yeah. Like I, I I just can't with some some of these records. So like um. I understood, like, because I was trying, like, little Uzi Vert was really popular, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm gonna try to listen to it, and I was just like, I understand why some people would like it, but I'm just like, I just, it's just not me. I, I can't do it, you know. You know, so. I, I was yesterday. I was in the drive-through, and not at. I made a quick stop to McDonald's, and I didn't know that they made a whole meal named after Travis Scott. And I'm like, wow, really? I mean, they made a, a whole, me- you know, they could have yeah. did that back in '94 when when Biggie and Craig Mack was out. That was <laughs> Big Mac, yeah, Big man. Mac. Like they, why they didn't do it? But you know, it's crazy. But like you said, you don't want to be so out of touch. So I don't knock what these kids are listening to. Um, it's just that yeah. I gotta find out how it resonates with me. Are you yeah, are you um, going to listen to the uh, the Public Enemy album? I'll listen to it. I don't have high expectations, though. I'm not going to lie. Why not? Well, their last couple albums haven't been that great to me. Yeah. Like, like, I always appreciate the message. I love the message. Yeah. Um, Because you, as you know, that's the stuff I'm on. But if we're just talking about pure, like, enjoyable music. Yeah. Did you did Not, you like the, the the newer fight the power? Yeah. I mean, you I know, mean, black thought, black thoughts first, and <laughs> yeah. black thought is black thought always do what black thought does, but yeah, certain stuff I think you should leave them alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, 
that's just me though. I I don't know, man. Well, I, I, we'll see. I I feel like in the next month or two is going to be releases that we don't expect. Right. Right. It'll be releases we don't expect. So who knows? But um, yeah, I'm glad we did this episode. But what I, I'm gonna do is um, I'm I'm typing up a schedule like for people like albums I'm gonna cover. Um, I'll send them to you or whatnot, and then if like you want to do future collabs or whatnot, we we can go. Yeah, yeah. That. Let let me know. I'll you know you want still Matic? That's up my alley. Loop any Lupe album I could do. Um, so, even the, the albums I don't really mess with. <laughs> yeah, so I I want them like around the release dates. So yep. like a still Matic would be like a December has to be December or whatever. But I'm um, I'm good with that. Even um. I could do a lot of even some J. Cole, like, because even some J. Cole stuff, you know, um, yeah. some Kendrick stuff I can do. That's up my alley. Um, anything where you talk about any artists with lyricism, that's me, no matter where they're from. Shoot, you can even do a couple of the game album, even though, like, yeah. he, he, game has some solid albums, you know. Game has better albums than 50. Catalog? I mean... He doesn't have Get Rich or Die Trying. But 50, like, Get Rich or Die Trying is such a class. I re-include mixtapes, too. Yeah. Catalog. Because you want to go to the Get Through Backs mixtapes and those whole Gene mixtapes series. I don't know. That and the, the G Unit first album. Right, right. Beg for mercy. Yeah. You don't um, Massacre, do you? Massacre had a couple good songs, but it was too much candy, like pop songs on there, too, that I didn't really care for. Anything with Gatman and Robin on it. <laughs> <laughs> Eminem stuff again. That's what I'm saying. Like that woodiness could be. But then you know you had I'm supposed to die tonight on there. Um what is that? In my hood. In my hood, Baltimore Love thing. Oh yeah. Um, he yeah, had, yeah, yeah. He had some joints on there. I don't know what you feel about Piggy Bank. Piggy Bank was just average to me. But you know this, this, it goes back to that what we were talking I was talking about sequencing. Uh that was not sequenced, right? Also, I loved Out of Control with Mob Deep, and that was not on the album album. I didn't like the actual out of control on Massacre. Right. I love it. Huh? I hated Candy Shop. I absolutely I hated that one. They, I did. Um, Just a little bit was good. Yeah. But you know the Curtis album was okay. Um here's the he, he this is where he his issue with the Curtis album, he would he dropped the wrong singles, and you could tell because the, none of them worked until I get money, and then people that was the single people wanted, but he dropped straight to the bank, and then he dropped amusement park, so yeah, people like, like, kind of they fell off. They was like, yeah. Then when he dropped, I get money. That was a hit, but it was like the third single, and then AO Technology ages horribly. Right. Um, but then I like Before I Self-Destruct, too. It was all right. I like Before I Self-Destruct. Um, that was underrated. Um, Do You Think About Me is an underrated record. Mm -hmm. 
so disrespectful. I mean, if you're going to go into his diss records, I think that kind of went under the radar. That's better than Piggy Bank. Um, that Piggy, Bank, Piggy Bank actually was not that good with this song at all. You know, I always thought with 50 Cent, he never locked in with a specific producer. He would take beats separately and then just put them into his albums, whereas certain people would consciously know where to put producers. Yeah. Um, whereas he never, I mean, he had Dr. Dre and Eminem at his fingertips, but I don't feel like he ever he used utilized them to the maximum potential. Because yeah, Dr. Dre could have gave him a lot better than what he gave him. True, true. It's, and we could talk for like another five hours, man, about yeah. just hip hop. So I'm going. I, I need to get you in the battle rap, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle, well, well, I'm gonna, we can wrap it up. Um, I I announced the R&B podcast. You wanna you you got anything to say before we wrap? You know, sign off. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't subscribed to Say What I Mean YouTube channel, make sure you do that. You follow the Say What I Mean page on Facebook. And yeah, we just we just back at it. Um, I'm having. You know, I do a lot of political commentary as well, too. Um, try to mix it in in a creative way. Uh, bringing back a few series. Uh, one of them is called um, Comics and Consciousness. Okay. Because um, I don't know if you read comic books when you were growing up, but there's a lot of social themes in them. And, you know, I just put real world scenarios like, okay, what was going on at the time? I have a playlist I'm talking about, the original um, Luke Cage series. I'm, I'm working on a few things on that. I have a presidential series where I'm focusing on what the administration's um, policy were towards Black people specifically. Um, I already did an episode with George Washington. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, just, just working. I got the hip-hop motivational quotes and that series, hip-hop storyboard. So yeah, just just working and of course the last few videos on my page, man. Movie reviews, um, reviewing Lovecraft Country, just reviewed the shot. So yeah, just stay tuned for that. All right, that's what's up, man. So good collabing with you. I'm sure we'll we'll do some more stuff though. We definitely no doubt, no doubt. Although probably was like six hours, we probably could do like like a half a year with this show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah. We got, yeah. We, we got to do yeah. Shout out to uh to Lindsay too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely link up and do some stuff. Definitely. All right, bro. No problem. I'm gonna send right. you the um the link and everything. All right, got you. Thanks.